Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Why should I be happy about being a podcast? <laughs> I don't I don't know what the word is. Bad there. one. Okay, I'm gonna do a different one. <laughs> That's not good. It's past 10. My daughter is in pain. I don't understand why she has to have this pain. All she has to do is hold out until 10, and it's past 10. My daughter is in pain. Can't you understand that? Give my daughter the podcast. Yeah, that's good. There we go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He, he leaned into that. He did. Into, yeah. He really did. You can't say those lines and not lean into it because nobody's ever going to lean into it half as much as she does. And so. I had something to prove, too, because I'd fucked up the first quote, right. which we're keeping in Ben, keep it in. I also had no idea what was happening at all. This was all... You have never heard the podcast? No, I have never heard the podcast. Get ready. ready It was a glorious surprise. Bunch of business. Hello, everybody. My name's Griffin Newman. I am David Sims. And this is a podcast that our guest has never listened to called... (laughs) Blank Check. With Griffin and David. We're hashtag the two friends. Here are some lessons for you. FYI, we are the two friends. We're the two friends because we are friends. There are two of us and we host a podcast together. Now, what's interesting is that this is a competitive advantage. Okay. Podcast still an emerging market. No one else has cracked this yet. To oh. Have two friends. Two friends on a podcast together. <laughs> it's it's it, he's going to do all his bits on you now. Yo, now cuz you're you're they're all new to you. I can see and there's a lot of facial expression that's accompanying this that I'm not used to. Mm-hmm. It's it's the expression really animated. Is pride. <laughs> sure. We're also concerts of context. Uh-huh. That's and, why I've got this computer this is, here. He's got a computer look stuff up. And this is a podcast about Directors, filmographies, directors mm. who have massive success early on in the career and are given a series of blank checks, ah. underlined, bold, italicized, to make whatever crazy passion products they want. Sometimes the check's clear. And in this case, they, they did. Clearly crazy. Right. And then sometimes four movies later, they bounce, maybe. <laughs> right. right. Five, three, three. We can argue. Yeah, we could argue. Everyone agrees it bounces eventually. Different people uh, pick different. The check bounces for the... I don't know. <laughs> right. His check turns into Tigger. Yeah. His check. His check gets very bouncy. Yes. Yeah. Um, this, of course, the man we're talking about. Because uh, cracking off a new miniseries, mm. it's the films of James L. Brooks. And it's a miniseries that I, I'm excited to announce. It's called no, don't you do it. As Pod as It Casts. It's called Podcast News. Well, That's what it's called. I don't know about that. And do you know what James L. Brooks' middle name is? It's the same as my middle name. L? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely Lawrence? L. Lawrence. Hey, I get James some friend points for remembering. David L. Sims. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about our, our past guest uh, and future guest and friend, Lux Alptrom. Sure. Uh, coined the term the uh, guarantor. Which okay. Which is the okay. movie, the success that gives the director the blank check going okay. forward. Okay. And this is a weird case where it's it's the his one. His debut film right. was the guarantor. Right. And he, also his years in television. Right. Yeah. Right. They, but but he had to fight. He had to fight to get a movie made. I guess so. Sure, and, and we'll discuss. Do you that. know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But first, let's introduce our guest who talked before we introduce her, which is exactly what we like a guest to do it's on true. this show. She is an actress. Mm-hmm. She is the best fake sister in the business. Aww. Something my real sister gets very competitive about. You did meet briefly. Yes, and she was you nice to you. Well. <laughs> Romley's very intimidating she's very intimidating yeah I, I mean Griffin sort of um, he set up an animosity really early on I didn't oh. set up he's she felt it immediately 
I, I mean, that has to be coming from you, though. I think you're the one making her feel threatened. When my when my sister was very young, Valerie Curry is our guest, by the way, from uh, the following. Yeah. Oh yes. From the Tick. Yeah. Amazon Prime. February twenty third. Season two. We'll be one, shooting at the time B? this comes out. One B February twenty third. This episode's coming out five years from now. Oh well, I hope you liked it. Then that'd I hope be great. so too. That'd be awesome. Um, hey, but if not, doesn't matter. No, doesn't season two coming no matter yeah, what. We got it's, it already. It's already done. You can't yeah. take it back for us. And I say that with the confidence of someone who has never been on a TV show that was unrenewed. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the thing about you. Yeah. Where even when the official announcement came down, like yeah. one of my friends is like, "Oh, Griffin must be happy to hear that." And I was yeah. like. Yes, but he was actually on a show that was announced to be renewed, and then they took it back. Got, got yoinked pretty hard. <laughs> is that is that true? That yeah, to vinyl. Oh. I was on vinyl. That's happened like four times in TV history. Four times they announced season two. They fired the showrunners. Messy. No, I shouldn't laugh. Messy, right? Brought on a whole new team. Had them staff a whole new writers' room. Started breaking the season. We're writing scripts, and then went. Eh, never mind. Well, at least you're tanking the entire show, not just like your character or your casting. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Season two was supposed to be me in the spotlight. Everyone knew Casper, the A&R rep who had four lines across 10 episodes, Mm -hmm. was clearly being primed for the spotlight season two. And I think that's what HBO, they got scared because it was such a dramatic shift. Where's it was like a Narcos type. Oh, sure. A new protagonist. Whereas in the Tick season two, you're being heavily backgrounded, right? Yes, yes, right, yes. Uh, Right, season two, I have a cold. (laughs) <laughs> for 10 sure. consecutive episodes and it's uh, just dot and tick yeah we just yeah. we cut to you in like a rocking chair with like a blanket over your legs <laughs> like once in a while yeah so so this movie uh, is insane it's insane have we announced what the movie is it's called Terms of Endearment it was his first film it's his first film and he won three Oscars for it that's true it was the second highest grossing film of its year behind Return of the Jedi right that one was number wow. one Right, but so like for perspective, what if Lady Bird was the number two right. film of the year behind The Last Jedi? Right, that's exactly how you want to think about and it. And everyone's like, yeah, two blockbusters. Yeah. Here are two blockbusters. It was above Flashdance, mm-hmm. Trading Places, War Games, Octopussy, the Bond movie, <laughs> uh-huh. Sudden Impact, that's a Dirty Harry movie, isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah, that is, yeah. Staying Alive, the sequel to Saturday Night Live. It's a Saturday Night Live movie. Saturday Night Fever, <laughs> Saturday Night Live. Uh, Risky Business. Like Vacation. Yeah. Like these are movies that are. Talk about like five of the biggest box office stars of all time. Scarface. Like it it just trounced these movies. Ran laps. It did. Nothing came close. And this was in an era where very few movies made $100 million. Only two movies that year made $100 million. Return of the Jedi and Terms of Endearment. Uh, I'll be the the token feminist now that points out. Uh, how many of those other movies that you named featured female leads? Because that's one of the things that flash makes dance. this really. Yeah, Flashdance. I think we got yes. fucking Flashdance. Yeah, yep. You got that one. All right. Yep. Point you. You give us Shirley MacLaine, like, we yeah. will come. That's yeah. the thing. I'm now. I'm now going down, being like, what's mm-hmm. the you know? So Flashdance number three. Okay. I'm. I'm still going. We have been teaching. Yentl oh. number eighteen. <laughs> Yentl and Barbara. Uh, un- uh, unless Mr. Mom counts, I don't know where you are. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know, Mr. No. Mom, guys. No. We've been teaching you guys forever. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. the market is, is eager. Yeah. Uh, and this was uh, over 30 years ago. This yeah. was like 35 years ago and still uh, people yeah. are reticent to right. greenlight these types ago. of movies. Uh, Larry McMurdy, the most McMurtry. sensitive. I'm sorry. Larry McMurtry, mm-hmm. the most sensitive of the cowboy novelists. Right. The poet, the poet of Texas. Right. Yeah. 
who has one of the best track records in terms of his work being adapted of any novelist ever. Sure. He's written a ton of books. Yeah. So many books. But you go HUD. Yeah. Last Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Terms of Endearment. Lonesome Dove, which right. is a TV show, but you know. And then the one time he decides to adapt someone else's work, it's Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Have you ever like seen him? Like, yeah, he's a he's a gruff man. Yeah, but it, but in a in a kind of adorable way. I want to hug him when I see him. But he also has the Evening Star. We you can't you can't discount that. One. We'll talk about the Evening and Star. Texas yeah. Bill. Two yeah. of his movies were made into, were given sequels, bizarre sequels. Yeah, that people don't remember existed. Exist. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to all that. That's, anyway, Larry McMurtry. He wrote a novel, Terms of Endearment. Popular. I guess so. Yeah, I don't know anything. But about I, it. I don't think it Have was like it? hugely no. popular. Yeah, no. No. I don't think it was like uh, like love story where everyone was like, wait until they adapt this. Mm. I think it was like a respected novel. Yeah, sure. Nineteen seventy five. So yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's been around. Here's the New York Times review of it. Very winning. Hey, okay. all right. Uh, farcical and realistic. Farcical. I, I oh, guess. Sure. Okay, I don't sure. Know. Yeah. I don't know. I'll give it to him. Uh, but but there's a a guy. Waiting in the wings. Old Canyon Jim himself. (laughs) James Lawrence Brooks. Yes. Who has had this miracle run going from uh, journalism, working in broadcast news. Hint, 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 wink, 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 wink. Sure, right. To then moving into TV writing, comedy writing, to then becoming a powerhouse showrunner. And uh, uh, Tyler Moore. Right. One of the most. Yes. But but a huge... Yes. Lou Grant. Not that. Lady things. Yeah. Right? No, but Mary Tyler Moore was like huge at its time for being like, here is a single unmarried woman working in her 40s. What? Yeah. Insane. How? They designated as science fiction. She was very likable. Very likable. And compensate for those horrible qualities. Make it after all. She was. Right. Right. It's sort of like when they give um, a villain in a superhero movie one likable trait. It's like, here's the most evil creature that's ever existed. Single unmarried woman. <laughs> but also, look at how well she throws her hat in the air. Throws that hat? Yeah. Um, but he, he's itching to make pictures. He wants to make motion pictures. Is that like, uh, yeah. Well, he, pr- he produced and wrote Tuesday's, uh, Thursday's Game. Not uh, Tuesday's Game. A movie, a secret movie, TV movie that I love. It was a TV movie that was done for a bunch of years starring Gene Wilder and Bob Newhart as two guys who have a weekly poker game that they get pushed out of. And instead, just decide to hang out every Thursday and essentially have like Wait, that this is cute. like your movie. It's lovely. This is a they perfect just have friend movie. dates every Thursday, and their wives think that they're having affairs, but really it's just like they're really stressed out, sad men, and they find one other person they can like relate to on a friend level. Cloris Leachman, Ellen Burstyn. Oh my god, you're right. Those are the wives. Valerie it, Harper's in it. Yeah, it's got uh, insane cast. Rob Reiner. In it. Rob Reiner. This was a TV movie. TV it was movie. A TV movie. What but network was this? Uh, ABC. And, you know, those are back in the days when people watched TV. Movies, yeah. You know? And I think that was like a favor for James L. Brooks giving them so many successes that they were like, fine, you make your little movie. He didn't get to direct it. No. Then he writes Starting Over. Uh, oh, uh, oh, my God. I should have been. Yes. Starting in 1979. Right. Uh, a Pakula movie. Which is a solid hit. With Jill Clayburgh and yes. Candace Bergen. Yes. Ladies. Mm-hmm. Ladies. Ladies. He likes ladies. Sure. And uh, Brassy Broads. <laughs> Brooks's Brassy Broads. We call them Brooks's we're, we're letting that one drop Brassy like a Broads. <laughs> ben is shaking his head at Brooks's 
Brassy Broads. You want to introduce uh, Ben for Valerie? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, ben, this is Valerie. Oh, well, we met because you were both late. Yes, yes. They, so, they were, we were, we're both late. I was yeah. barely late, I want to point out. Okay. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm not getting any help on that one. <laughs> yeah, you're too busy getting food. I was too busy yes. getting food, so I would not be an asshole on this recording. Okay. Look, right? You look, know what I'm like look, when I'm hungry? Hey, hey, hey I, calm down. Let's. I I've started this, something. This is getting way too political. Okay, this is getting too political. <laughs> uh-huh. And we have, we have to nip it in the bud, okay? Valerie, this is Ben. Hi. Hi. A.K.A. Producer Ben. A.K.A. The Ben Deucer. A.K.A. Producer Ben. A.K.A. Mm-hmm. The Poet Laureate. This A.K.A. The Haas for a while. A.K.A. Mr. Positive. A.K.A. Mr. Hositive. He's doing it off the A.K.A. Dome. The Tiebreaker. A.K.A. The Peeper. A.K.A. Hello Fennel. A.K.A. No the ginger meat jokes. Lover. No ginger names. It's got the soaking wet Benny. Red hot Benny. Red hot Benny. Dirt bike Benny. That's a ginger name. It's our finest film critic. He's a close personal friend of Dan Lewis. That is true. He's wow. graduated to certain titles over the course of different miniseries, such as Kylo Ben, Producer Ben Kenobi. Ben Night Shyamalan, Ben Sate, Say Anything, dot, 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 Ailey Ben's with a dollar sign, Warhaz, Perdue-er Bane, Perdue-er Bane, Ben 19, The Fennel Maker, and Robo Haas. There you go. I thought I knew you. <laughs> okay. Now you That's know. That's why now I wanted to do. do the introduction. Now you really do. I keep so, jumping the gun. Now we've done all the dumb shit we have to do. <laughs> dumb shit out of the way, Great. serious Everything conversation else is now. Everything going to be not dumb. Oh, yeah, very yeah, serious. Got it. Very yeah. serious. Let's talk about Brooks's Brassy Broads. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> We're getting serious now. We've done some genre. Well, yeah, a few genre directors. I wanted to do, you know, someone who makes slightly more grounded movies. Human films. Yeah. And he is one of those rare examples of that guy who also got, you know, crazy blank checks to make weird movies that uh, sometimes did not work out. Right. But this is off of the success of all of his shows, Mm -hmm. off of the success of starting over. They finally let him make a little picture. Yeah, $8 million budget. I, I'm you know. sure they viewed this as a throwaway. Why not? A programmer. Who uh, cares? I guess so, but they did release it in December. So, I mean, clearly, once they saw it, Probably I guess they, they were like, it. okay, this is this looks fucking good. Right. Because the guy fucking hits it out of the park. With uh, T of E? Yeah. And immediately, he's like, now a brand name as a filmmaker. I guess so. Yeah. 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 I mean, how many filmmakers have won the Best Picture Director for their debut? It's a rare Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes. That's one. Robert Redford. That was his debut? Yeah. Ordinary People? Yeah. All right. Maybe there's a few more. His Dances with Wolves. Isn't Costner one? Oh, my God. The 80s, weirdly, they did this a bunch. Yeah. All right. All right. Anyway. Um, Valerie, when did you see this movie first? Um, I saw this movie first uh, not long ago. It was about actually five years ago, I think. Um, And I was on an airplane. And uh, I was like, oh, I've never seen this movie. This is supposed to be one of the good movies. Mm. And, you know, the five good movies. One and, of the five um, good movies yeah. ever made. Yeah. And, uh, and I put it on and I immediately realized that I had made a huge mistake because this was the wrong context. The similar experience I had was when I tried to watch Moonlight on my iPad on the treadmill. Uh-huh. uh-huh. At a <laughs> it got worse. Every- Moonlight like, on your iPad on the treadmill. Yeah. On the treadmill. Mm-hmm. And I had to stop because I was so ashamed on so many levels. Um, <laughs> Did you set the incline to be steeper as each chapter progressed <laughs> right. and his struggle to find his, himself, his identity became greater? If I'm totally honest with you, about 10 minutes in, I turned it off and I realized that I didn't have any more episodes of Vikings. So I was just not going to do cardio sure. that day. Sure, um, sure. Just, <laughs> I do. I, I tune. I need something. Your 
to watch. It's conditional like, to having good content. It's a reward-based system. That's how I. That's how I get through a lot of shows. Is mm-hmm. I will only allow myself to watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, like the OA was that way. So I did a lot of cardio that week. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because I can only watch it when I'm doing that. Yep, me um, too. I need to start doing this. I'm trying to get in a season two shape. What shape? That's the point. <laughs> I'm trying to buck the trend from season one. Old tired Griff. <laughs> Do you think if your body was like a humming machine, you'd, you'd be a better actor? I don't think my body will ever be a humming machine. Humming machine. I think I have a lot of a lot stacked against me. Yeah, genetically. your body's like a jalopy. If my <laughs> body is a sloppy old jalopy. Yeah, right. It's it's a puttering it's like Jughead's Mickey Mouse car. car. We, yeah, well, right. we made the yeah. same joke, different sides. We did almost kill you. Yeah, yes, that's you true. And died. you can attest to that. We can talk can. about that yeah, now. Behind the scenes. <laughs> this is a good place to this talk This is a great about place it. to talk about it. I almost died a couple times. <laughs> and um you know, the character of Arthur is chubby. And when I was cast Oh, that's true. I mean, originally. Yes. Right. In the cartoon and stuff. When he's I, he's, he's right. got like a belly, he's right? Got a belly. He's, he's a skinny little more fat. rotund. That's yeah. the thing, because the thing with Arthur is his face is a little round, he's got a big belly, but then his arms and legs are really fit. Because the idea is he's doing a lot of running. Right, and he's winging. got abs. Like kinda it depends on the drawing. All right. He's well, got, but he's got he's got a tummy. And yeah. then and pecs. It's a weird body that would be very hard to develop. <laughs> right. He's yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But when I was casting, there was only a photo out. People like complained online, and I of course read them because People I complained hate myself. Online? Oh yeah. Yeah. People complained online. So I gained some weight and I was like, everyone's gonna fucking laud me for gaining the weight. Did the you Nero really? style. I did. He's an idiot. I'm a moron and no one ever acknowledged it. Which means that most people didn't notice, and the people who noticed were like, we shouldn't talk about this. Well, you did lose 20 pounds. I did. In like one episode. There's like, an episode where I lose 20 pounds, where I, I go around a corner and I come back and I'm 20 pounds <laughs> later because I almost died. Usually that's actor season two bodies, but if you yeah. were on a show that got renewed, you'd know. <laughs> right. That's my goal is to get as close to death as I can before the season starts so I look good, but then don't die while we're filming. That's my big strategy. Anyway, this is what I was going to say. We're slightly off topic. I don't think so. Um, uh, Moonlight, I start crying within like five minutes of that movie. I find that film very overpowering. In terms of endearment, you said you watched it on a plane and immediately realized it was a mistake. Does this movie start activating you emotionally that early on? uh, Yes. Wow, Um, okay. I mean, well, I I said to you before we even started, but the line that that killed me, it's two things. It's this one line in the opening and it's also just Deborah Winger's performance. Yeah. Um, which I have never seen anything like it. Um, honestly, I can't really relate it to anything. I, I describe this as she's so natural. There's a sense of like, natural this could be improv. It could be improvisational. It could not. You don't know. Mm-hmm. It's as if she is just a person who wandered onto a set and right. they were like, she's doing interesting things. Let's put the camera on her. She has um, very human energy. Very. Is, yes. Um, but no, the 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 line. You are not special enough to overcome a bad marriage. <sighs> it's a yeah. great line. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great line as written. And also, if someone delivered that line to me, I would, I'd have to like, you know, go on vacation for a month and not talk to anyone. Yeah. And this movie is uh, full of those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that's his that's, specialty. That's yes. like the arrow to the heart. Just mm-hmm. just start. Yeah. Oh. Like you're going to, you will be cracked open for the rest blow. of this film. Yeah. Right. Um, it, this movie, uh, Hey, I will say, and I'm not, I'm not just uh, blowing smoke up your ass here, uh, but I rewatched it. I only I saw it for the first time maybe two or three years ago on Netflix, uh, having been a James L. Brooks fan, but being like, oh, it's weird. I've never seen that one. Yeah, uh, and it is kind of a hammer punch. But I do think what's kind of impressive about this movie is it. Uh, spoiler alert: unlike most quote unquote cancer movies, 
It is not structured like a cancer well, right. movie until it is. I had avoided this movie for years because I knew if it is a cancer movie. I always and thought I was it was like, going to be two hours of some someone slowly movie. dying. Right. right. See, I actually always thought this was like toxic mother-daughter relationship movie. Right. I, th- I also thought that they were much more opposed. Those were the two things I thought it was. Well, I thought you know it was going I mean? to be she yeah. gets diagnosed. I didn't 10 realize that in. they move away from each other right. almost immediately. Right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. My mind's eye version of the movie was she's diagnosed 10 minutes in, and then it's a mother and a daughter fighting while she dies of cancer. And I was like, that sounds rough. I know that's supposed to be good, but that sounds rough. It sounded mm-hmm. like one of those emotional ringer movies where, right, at the end you're almost exhausted, right. but it's so I mean, powerful. this is kind of like a companion film to Beaches, if Beaches yes. is like the more commercial, mm. right. likable That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yes. I thought this Beaches was going to be like Beaches. slightly wackier, but right. yes, yes. yes. Um, but instead, it's like, what's kind of fascinating about this oh, movie man, and this, is- This has DeVito and Beaches as Hoskins. They both have like yeah. diminutive love interests. I mean, DeVito is obviously they bo- not They not both crucial. have hairy eggs in them. <laughs> I mean, the men in this film. Yeah. It's quite a group Just of guys. Just Jeff Daniels' name. Yeah. Flap. Flap, Flap. Horton. This is when Jeff <laughs> That's Daniels. That's like a Palin name. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> this is when Jeff Daniels is at like peak golden retriever. Yes. When he's just trying yeah. so hard, but, but he keeps on pissing. Golden retriever. Oh, he keeps oh, on pissing a, on the rug. Right, he's a yeah. shitty golden retriever. Yeah. <laughs> Your furniture's all messed he's not up, and he's trained. like, but they're yeah. all shitty people. This it's, is his yeah. second movie, Jeff Daniels. He, what was his first? Ragtime, which oh uh, is his debut, where he's sort of like a hot young face. And Lithgow only had sort of gotten big in the couple years before this. This is the year after Winger does. Uh, officer and a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Like outside of McLean, these are a lot of like new people mm. for the big screen. Right. Uh, people who are just kind of starting off. But everyone's so perfectly cast. And the movie is for like the first 75, 85% just the story of these two lives mm-hmm. yeah. without any sort of foreboding like cloud on top of it. Like it just feels like you're watching like boyhood or something. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like here are these people over the years and their relationships and the changes. So then when, like, the fucking hammer drop happens, it's devastating because it's not a movie where you're sitting there going, like, oh, fuck, just, how, how much longer? No. Well, it's really not a sentimental movie. At it's all, an, no. It's an, an incredibly unsentimental movie for a cancer film. I mean, even mm-hmm. the moments that make me cry so much mm-hmm. are because they lack sentimentality. Like, her, like, we're jumping to the end, but, like, her goodbye to her sons and things like that. It's just, <sighs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Even her death, I didn't know... She- she had passed. No, yeah, I was no like, that's, wait, that scene is so. I watched impressive. that scene and I was like, did she just give her a shot? Did she just put? Did, was she just murdered uh, yeah, yeah. by the nurse? I had what to I wasn't yeah. sure what had taken place. Yeah, it's it is such an understated movie that <sighs> is just so fucking exquisitely observed in like every fucking uh, moment. So the opening scene before the cancer. Yeah, he does this thing I love. So already I'm just like so on board with this movie mm. where after like the black and the opening like company titles, then it's just that little like nightlight in the corner. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. The first shot of the yeah. movie is you just see the nightlight and the rest of the screen is black. So if you weren't paying attention, you would almost think maybe the movie like still wasn't starting yet. Mm-hmm. And you just hear Shirley MacLaine freaking out about the baby. Right. Oh. It's, it's crib death. Right. It's crib it's death. The- Right, so you're like, okay, this is this is an intense woman, but it's entirely directed at protecting her daughter now. Which, like, when she almost gets in in her high in. heels, yeah. and then she retracts yeah. in that pink know? dress. Yes, and he's do this movie has so many good like long takes mm-hmm. where he just lets the actors play things. Oh out. yeah, and and a lot of it he doesn't he doesn't 
he d- there are always like two shots. He's not doing a lot of like traditional coverage. I mean, it plays a lot like theater. You're yeah, doing these right. extended scenes and you're just sat in these static shots and uh, it's beautiful. I think that's part of what lends that kind of natural aspect to the performance as well. It's just capturing whatever's happening. It doesn't feel as curated. Ben's laughing. I don't know why. No, because it's a smart point. That's I, why it is. And it's like I, I was like, why are they cutting? Right. To, right. Yes. Like a million different angles. <laughs> right. Like what is happening? I, my it, brain kind we, of. Broke. He's not yeah. like carving a performance from no. the right. various performances no. he was given. He was just like, this is. This he, is what they're doing. And I think he likes is. tension. He likes them playing off mm-hmm. of each other Comedic rather than creating tension. it. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. But, but we, we've we recorded this miniseries totally out of order because uh, we're banking up episodes before we start filming season two of The Tick, colon, uh, Arthur gets buff. And um, so, so we've been watching later Brooks movies before now going back to record the first one. And he gets so close-up reliant where like by the time you mm-hmm. get to How Do You Know, the movie could have been shot with the actors in different continents and different decades. And this, it's like, when he cuts to a close-up, it's really fucking good. Right. Mm-hmm. But he, like, saves it for when it's, like, an exclamation point on something. He also, and, like, it's funny because we were talking off mic about how he was perceived as sitcoming, yeah. you know, uh, mainstream, mainstream American movies. But this movie doesn't cut at all. Like, that, yeah. it's not what you would think of as a sitcom movie. No, and it's, it is a comedy. Like, I think... It's so devastating. Yes, it's very by the funny, end. and I laugh a lot throughout the movie, right. except when she has cancer. I it's don't like laugh comedy, as like much. Chekhov is a comedy. Yeah, I just think it's got a really consistent some, amount of jokes, but it's also devastating. It has a lot of great lines that I laugh at, and it has some very exaggerated sequences. You know, yeah. like your, your the car. Hey, is someone's Nokia ringing? Could that be? Oh, guys. This is my business phone. Hold on. Let me just pick this up quickly. Ben, do you mind if I just put this on speakerphone quickly? Val, I'm sorry. Just Let me just get this quickly. Fine. Yes. Hello. Uh, hello. Sorry. You're, you're not coming through clearly. No, I'm coming through crystal clear. This is how I talk. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Is that who I think my it is? My ears were burning. I, 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 I know who this is. David, a little bit of advice. He's an actor in the movie we're discussing. Never rub another man's rhubarb. Hey, hey, Jack, how you doing? Ben, quick question. Uh, yes, sir. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? No. Griff, third question. You got any advice for what I should do for my hairline? Oh, he's bringing it up. Okay, well, uh, yeah, uh, Jack. Oh, it sounds like you're like one of 66% of men who lose their hair by age 35. And you're 35. certainly on the wrong end of 35 right now. Look, Jack, Jack, can you hear me? Uh, this is Griffin talking. I'm not. Thing is, when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. Uh, you know, and it's like, I'm not saying your hair all falls out right away, but maybe you notice it slowly moving backwards, maybe some bald spots. And And Jack? Yes. It's easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost. He, he can hear you. You don't have to shout. I don't, with speakerphone, sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Well, Jack, have you been turning to any weird solutions when, like, you know, to try and uh, fix your problem? Jack, I ask you, do you want a bald spot to pop up or do you want to do something about it first? The latter. All right. Well, why don't you go to fourhims.com, which is a one-stop shop for hair loss, for skin care, for sexual wellness. Sexual wellness? For men. I'm a bit of a fuck master. You know what I'm talking about, Ben. I get it, Jack. I like <laughs> to rub another man's rhubarb if you catch my drift. Well, sure. okay. Uh, whatever you want. Uh, thanks to science, baldness is optional for you. 
Uh, Hims will connect you to real doctors, what? and they'll get medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. Oh, like the kind of stuff you get behind a gas station counter, right? No, no, more like well known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions that will help you keep your hair. There's no snake oil pills. That was going to be my next question. No, these are prescription solutions backed by science. Well, great. It sounds like in order to do this, I just have to go through an awkward doctor visit. In fact, all you have to do room. is go to forhims.com. There's no waiting room. It's so easy. You answer some questions. Doctor reviews and prescribes you, and the products come right to your door. Well, sounds great to me. Trying to make sure I don't end up like a DeVito. Now, I actually use some of these products. I am 32 years old, and I I have been losing my hair. Sure, And I'm going to tell our listeners that the the, uh, doctor was able to provide me with the topical solution Mm. and a prescription. It's all been really helping me feel better about myself. And you didn't have to have some weird conversation where you go all the way to the doctor's office. No, it was super easy. All right, so... Ben! Yes, Jack? This is three-time Academy Award winner Jack Nicholson talking. Oh, I'm I'm familiar. Does hymns treat pubic baldness? Uh, you know, I bet you could use the product also on, uh, yes, your, your pubis. Cool, I was asking for a friend. Uh, if... So... Okay. My friend the Joker... Order now. Played by Jack Nicholson. It was me. I. It's the worst performance I've ever given was oh. pretending that I'm not afflicted with I, pubic I mean, honestly, I thought you you were just saying your nickname for your penis was the Joker. It is. Okay. <laughs> Blank Check listeners are going to get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. While supplies last. Wow, what an effective ad read. I'm so glad I fit pubic boldness in there. <laughs> You just go to the website forhims.com for the details. This would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. And instead, all you need to do is go to forhims.com slash check. Okay, I got to run. I hear another podcast talking about me. Got to Je- call them up on my flip phone. All right, well, you can hang up on Jack, but I'm just going to say, just go to forhims.com slash check. That's forhims.com. So I check to make sure I've typed in the web address. No, okay, you, let me hang up. No, Wait, what are you, you saying? You go to forhims.com slash check. Oh, great. Okay, goodbye. Bye. That's crazy. You just called in on my work phone like that. My Nokia. Why is work your phone. work phone a Nokia fifty one ten? You know, because I want to make myself a little difficult to reach. Only the Nicholsons have that number. Fair enough. Anyway, Val, what were you saying? I'm looking forward to your take on the car. I just didn't know how the car started again. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, no that's what I was worried there's about. No it's like, there's no way they're, they're stuck no. there. No, Done. they are Done. stuck there. Done. Uh, like you know, there's right. There's a few sequences like yeah. that that are. Oh, Nicholson's whole character pieces. is definitely yeah. more heightened and comedic and was a character that was not in the book. Really? Really? Not in So wait, the what's book. the book then? The book is the mother <laughs> and the daughter. But what does the mother do? Because uh, I, I, her sexual awakening to yes. me is so crucial to why this. But movie you know what? Works. I could totally. I was gonna say I could totally do without the sexual awakening. That feels. Oh, sure. I like that the feels sexual that awakening. sort of like cliche inevitable thing that she needs to be fixed of the fact that she isn't particularly interested in sex. Sure. Yeah. And she sure. needs this. She needs this man and his bravado to come and like wake her up. Like, fuck off. But I, right. like, I prefer her and her Amanda Wingfield with her gentleman callers around oh, her. Oh, my all God. Right. The, the, those gentlemen callers, they're, they're the such best. goblins. <laughs> I love them all. My God. wonder is if in the book, the DeVito character is more of a thing. Maybe. Because yeah, it feels right. like so good with his setup like so big. Right. You're just like, does this movie, is this a bunch of her being like, I don't want to fucking sleep with you, cowboy DeVito? You know? <laughs> Danny DeVito is a sexy man. He is. 
Val is not so buying it. I'm Val not, is I'm not, I'm, wrinkling I'm not, her forehead. I'm not going for it. I love But you know what? Like These women do have some interesting taste because I wouldn't have necessarily gone with John Lithgow either. No, no he's got Older a, John Lithgow, he aged he well. He aged well. Yeah. He when was he's very young, creepy when he was young. It's weird. He looks like a Frankenstein. <laughs> it's, um, it's like he has no hair at all on his skin. Yeah, yeah his and face. he's... It's right. It's a bit of a baby face. It's definitely. But then like also, an old baby. He's a giant, <laughs> yes. right? He's like this lumbering giant. I mean, yeah. that's why he's so well cast in this movie. Oh, when yeah. he picks her up. Oh my oh. God. But I love that she doesn't have an affair with a young stud. No, exactly. No, Daniels is hot. Like she Daniels, did that. He's a fucking he hot can, dog in this movie. Right, exactly. Hot he's a hot diggity dog. dog. <laughs> he's nice. Like Lithgow's yeah. nice, and she's yeah. like interesting. Right. It's like, literally you know, huh. just like he is so sensitive and attentive. Right. Well, because that that's what's missing. Well, I don't know. That's the other thing yeah. that's like crazy to me when I watch it and like already having made the point about it being about two women at this time. But this is literally, and this is again why I kind of yeah. don't need Jack Nicholson, but it's like we're I watching a film about these two women. And their sexual identities. Yes, that's, that's what, what I this love movie about this is about. Movie. You know? I know, I mean, that's her whole relationship with Jeff Daniels, and so she has that fulfilled. She just doesn't have any of the emotional needs fulfilled, and that's what John Lithgow's there for. Right. I there mean, were right. a couple of lines in the first thirty minutes alone where I said, "I can't believe this movie was made thirty-five years ago, and I can't believe people are still skittish to do this today." Right. Yeah. Where like her getting oral sex from him on their wedding night. Uh huh. In an extended well, no, sequence. It's that wedding is day, isn't it? Wedding it's day. Like pre-wedding. Right. Yeah. Right. But they like stay on that. This movie is rated PG, by the way. Yeah. Parental guidance. Because PG-13 didn't exist. Yes. So you they say fuck once R. and she talks about it making her wet like 20 minutes in, but yeah. it's a PG. Yeah. Right. And like that line too, it's like this movie is so casual. It's frank. In the sexual desires of these women mm-hmm. and, and describing the acts for them in a way that doesn't happen fucking today. No, it doesn't. Unless people act like that's the entire point of the movie. Sure. And then it also right. would have no levity. Right. There yes. would be no humor at right. all. It's very offhand in this. Like, there's the moment where she's lying on her back, and then the dress goes up over her head, and you go, like, any other comedy would cut out right now. Right. Mm-hmm. The be- second it's implied, they would cut out. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, 90 seconds of Deborah Winger going, like, where did you learn that? I, but with that laugh. Yeah. Like, her snorting she's laugh. She's, like, enjoying when it. Goes it. Up, yeah. <laughs> Sex isn't a burden. And it doesn't immediately get unrated because she might have an orgasm. 35 years sex. ago. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't know how to categorize, you know, oral sex on women yeah. 35 years ago. Yeah, Nobody could conceive of it. No one will get this, so let's maybe, not worry about it. They didn't know what it was. They didn't so they were like, <laughs> he's doing something to our toes. What are you talking about? But she doesn't have a penis. What, what could he be doing down there? There's nothing to do. <laughs> giving her raspberries on her stomach. <laughs> there's, there's, the, there's the getting on top line later that's yeah. so funny. Oh my God, it's so good. Oh, oh, I love that line. So it really makes me laugh where <gasps> she's like, uh, she just she just wouldn't, she that wouldn't be. Right. Well, and her. it's even like. Have you asked? Hundreds of times. About, about a thousand times. <laughs> but she. But she stays with him despite his behavior because 100%. the sex keeps them together. Yes. Yeah. That's fucking rad. Yeah. Yes. Um, and she even says that later on where it's like, why didn't he left this guy? He's so cute. Like, yeah. like, she is still so turned on by him. It's so interesting. I mean, I hear what you're saying about Nicholson, but I also like that that's the middle act of the movie. Yes. That isn't what it builds to ultimately. She kind of gets over him, then is fine with like, that's a period in her life. I mean, isn't the last line of the movie her saying that her two-year-old granddaughter is too old for him? Yes. It's, it's, it's great. It doesn't, right. because it doesn't, yeah, exactly what we say. The fact that it yeah. doesn't become the culmination of her storyline, that is not the end goal for her arc. Yeah. Right. Um, I agree. That, yeah, that's, so what, that's what makes me like, all right. That character was made whole cloth <laughs> for the movie. Yeah. And was written for Nicholson. 
Uh-huh. Obviously. Interesting. Right. right. I yeah. think probably the suitors were I more wonder how they throughout like, the movie with DeVito him. being the biggest one. I don't know. Because, you know, Nicholson is in most of James L. Brooks's movies. Yeah. And obviously they have a good working relationship. Now. But right, but it's like, did they know each other before now? this? Now. What do you mean? Well, well, like, you said that is, like you had some hot gossip. Well, this is where <laughs> they establish <laughs> right. their relationship, right? Or but, are but they already was, friends? Yes, there was such a Rio Grande line with TV and film, and Nicholson is like maybe the biggest star in America at this point, if not no, in the top five. No, that's pushing it, but he's a big star. He's huge, humongous, right? He's already won an Oscar. Yeah, but no, he's, I mean, he's, no, he's not like a Redford. Or even a Paul Newman. But yes, he's like... I'd say he's in the five with those guys, right? As a serious actor, yes. Not as a box office guy. Like, Had he you, already done like Witches of Eastwick where he's playing these no, kind of... No, that's way later. later. Batman that's 87. Later. Right. Batman comes later. Reds is the same... This uh, is kind a year of the start the, of, of Cad Nicholson in a mm. way. Uh, well, you know, if you think about his seven... Like the last five years of yeah. his career have not been successful. Oh, careers. interesting. Not okay. really. I mean, The Postman Always Rings Twice and The Shining are in there. Those yeah. are the hits. Right. I don't know how big of a hit The Postman Always Rings Twice. So he discovered his no, it wasn't actually. character kind of, in this yeah. film then. A little that bit, he I think. then kind of played variations on. Because yeah, otherwise you got, that we- you, know, you got weird movies. Yeah. You got like The Missouri Breaks yeah. and The Border and Going South. You know, like it's yeah. where, where he's like trying shit out. You right. know what I mean? Like he's a famous actor, obviously. Has his Oscar. Mm-hmm. He was in like Chinatown and Cuckoo's Nest and all that. But like, so funny. It's like he all the characters that preceded it. He's never been a box office man. Like the successful characters that preceded it were predicated on him being dangerous. Sure. Yeah. Yes. This is a character who hasn't. There's there's nothing left in him that's dangerous. Right. Like He's past that point. It's kind of which a is right. kind of, brave performance yeah. in a way because he's you know he's all tubby and he's yeah. sort oh, of yeah. like an he's idiot. He's got that belly out. He plays oh, his yeah. belly a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he really <laughs> plays his belly like a drum. I read an interview with James L. Brooks where he said that he thinks Jack Nicholson's the greatest actor alive because of how much he pushes out his belly in the terms of endearments. That's where he realized it, where he went, I don't think there's another guy with this power. Right, with, with who would have and the this lack status, of ego. Right, yeah. the lack of ego to just do whatever is no, demanded. No, you went for it at the beginning of season yeah. one. You tried. I tried. I was trying to Nicholson <laughs> so hard. Belly. I was pushing out my belly. There are There is one scene in the pilot where I'm literally pushing out my belly like someone doing an impression of a pregnant woman. <laughs> I did not notice. You know when kids do that in like middle no, of school? Of course. I feel like yeah. it's when you're wearing like a little it. off. I mean, you're always in the sort of office pants. Or, yeah. Know? No, it's when, it's when I'm in my pajamas. There's like the scene in the pilot where Tick is in my apartment. I'm in my pajamas and I'm literally pushing out my belly as far you as You should I have can. unbuttoned it so you could have had that Nicholson like right. yeah. swim attire. Yeah, yes, I should have yes. gone. Yeah. Well, because in the first, his like first scene, he's got like the chest hair out. And he's yeah. sort of like, he's using it almost like a prop. You know, when he, that's when he's mm-hmm. asking her. Yeah. Uh, to get lunch with them. But that's you. But make, then when well, yeah. she well, makes the move on him, it's all but belly. But it's years right. later. That's yes, what I'm that's amazing to realize later. is, yes. is how much he progresses. Incredible. Well, right. So yeah. when this movie kicks off, you're like, oh, okay. So it's about, you know, you see the scene we just described right. with the baby, but then it's like, oh, she's a teenager. Oh, she's getting married. Like, you know, we right. start rapidly moving forward in time. And the time. kids are born. I mean, it's just like... you. She moves on. away really fast. Mm-hmm. He makes big jumps in time without title cards, no. without like, anything expository like she mentions being pregnant and the next thing you know she's got a two-year-old you know right actually it's not the next thing you see that she has a two like the the last pregnancy when she has a conversation about uh you know uh shirley mcclain brings up the abortion right when she wants they wait a while to show the baby right and i had a i had a moment where i was like holy shit did she do it you know like (laughs) he does that really Um, well but you make a really good point about the nicholson thing which is like he becomes this kind of Symbol of the counterculture in like mm-hmm. the 60s and 70s where it's like, here's the angry young man like yeah. fighting back against, you know, the institution. And he's one of this wave of like 
the new 60s, 70s leading men who don't look like movie stars. And nobody sure. still has the energy that he does. People are still nobody. trying to right. Right. find that or copy right. that or something like that. Some crackling, dangerous He's energy. Some weird, like, caged animal, yeah. right? But then this is the turning point where it stops being Jack Nicholson is the audience surrogate character. You're venting your, like, anti-institution frustration through Nicholson ordering too much at the diner, you yeah. know? Sure. And then this becomes, like, Nicholson is the supporting character or the co-lead. He's like the dilemma. And the movie is about how scary Jack Nicholson that, is in a lot thing. of ways. So many of his performances post this, like yeah. Heartburn, Witches of Eastwick, like, mm-hmm. is like, it's like, do you really want to get in bed with Jack Nicholson right. metaphorically or literally? Like, right. are you sure about this? I know he's charming, right. but like, he and might then, be the devil. And then it even like runs all the way to like the last five performances he did are all like, Anger management, the departed. Not the bucket list. Well, it's Not men who, it's older men who used to be that sort of angry yeah. young man who lost their virility right. and now that's the source of their anger and frustration they're trying to compensate for it. But when he's quiet in a movie like The Crossing Guard or The Pledge or yeah. something, he's good too. I mean, he's, about Schmidt, he's, he's great. In, yeah. About Schmidt. You know, mm-hmm. like he, he, he's a very talented actor, like, but, like, but he's also yeah. a movie star. You read uh, Paul Thomas Anderson in doing his like Phantom Thread mm-hmm. press has mm-hmm. talked about how he really wanted Warren Beatty to play um, the Burt Reynolds part in Boogie Nights. Yes. And he sent the script mm-hmm. to him and uh, Beatty came back with notes on the Dirk Diggler character because he just Is assumed he related to that that's well? what he assumed that's no. what he was being oh. offered. Now, it's interesting that you that's that's one thing that's amazing that you said that. But it's interesting you just said that. Do you know who this character was written for? Warren Beatty? Burt Reynolds. Oh, yes. The, the yes. Nicholson character yeah. was initially Thank God written. it wasn't Warren Beatty oh, and oh, they wait, cast okay. Shirley MacLaine and Warren <laughs> Beatty. Yes, I do know that. He was wrote it. He originally wrote it right. written with him in mind. Reynolds turned it down to make an action, a NASCAR movie called Stroker Ace. Yeah. How did that go? Uh, Great. He, well, Reynolds famously. Won five Oscars. <laughs> Reynolds famously said there are no awards in Hollywood for being an idiot. You know, because Reynolds has one of those careers where it's like he was a fucking movie star for all the 80s and yeah. was mostly critically trashed for all of the 80s. Yeah. And like when the, you know, and he did, he was just like, whatever, I'm going to be a movie star forever. Right? right. And then when the 90s come around, he's like, where's my Oscar, though? Like, wait a second. That like was, the Burt Reynolds fascinating arc was he comes out of the gate in like legitimate movies. Oh, and like Deliverance. Right. And so good. And everyone's like Redford, Newman. You know, sure. he's one of these guys. Mm-hmm. And then he immediately just goes like, give me a mustache and a car. Yeah, yeah. Can I be, in, <laughs> can I be driving in every single movie I right. make? Yeah. And Rentrack, that weird company that like uh, polls uh, movie theater owners and asks for the top 10 biggest box office draws of every year. He like holds the record for being number one five right. or six years in a row for movies that made insane amounts of money right. that have not held up. That you've never heard of. Right. Called like driving a car. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he had three Burt's different driving. car franchises, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 But but he like, yeah, had that arrogance and like spent money like he was gonna be famous forever. And then by the eighties was already starring on a CBS sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's not in this movie. He's not. And I think he had an ego that uh Nicholson didn't and that Beatty sure. Did you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, I mean the Beatty Dirk Diggler thing's amazing. The That's fact that Beatty gosh. at that age, like late sixties, still was like, oh, but I'd play the young guy who fucks everybody. <laughs> and Nicholson at this point in his career, when he still was like a viable leading man and could have been the guy who was like fighting to like play like co lead in like, I mean, you look as as good as it gets like twenty years later, where it's like he's thirty years older than Helen Hunt, you know? And you look Sorry, at this I just hurt my head really right, bad. but you look at this and it's like this guy's over the hill, and he's like, yeah, I'll play. It's a good part. Like, there's right. no sort of possessive, like, I need to hold on to my being the hot, young, cool guy. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then he leans into as much as possible. And this is one of his first, like, big supporting parts where then he gets comfortable doing shit like Reds. Well, Reds is before this. This is before, okay. Yeah, Reds is before this. But but that's, like, what's always that's been a Warren Beatty cool movie. about him is that he, like, is a big movie star, but also is, like, if it's a good supporting part, I'll He's play cool. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jack Nicholson's cool. Nick. Nick. Jack Nicholson. He likes the Lakers. I don't know if you know that. No, I, you know what I heard? And this is hot gossip, and I probably shouldn't mm. be saying this on mic, so Ben, uh-huh. maybe cut this out. I heard he likes wearing sunglasses. <laughs> But where, oh boy. like outside, right? Well, During the day? Is, this is what's crazy about Jack. He's a wild oh, man. Everyone mm-hmm. lean in. What's up? He'll wear them in the front row of the Oscars. <laughs> That's badass. Yeah. yeah. But you know why? Because the stars are so bright that night. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what it is. Hollywood's biggest stars. The are wattage. All- <laughs> yes. All right. So I cut all that out. Great. Thank you. It's too hot. Too hot. Uh, Deborah Winger has like just kind of come up as like the next great leading lady at this point, right? Sure. Well, she she been an urban cowboy, right? And and then um, Officer and a Gentleman was kind Officer of her like America's Sweetheart role, where it was like, here we go. Uh, uh, she's she rocks in both those movies. I don't yeah. know how you feel about an Officer and a Gentleman. She rocks in all things. Yes, an Officer okay. and a Gentleman is a sexy movie. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, and then McLean was kind of at her like uh, she's overdue. Yeah, when she won the Oscar, it was it's kind of nuts that she'd never won an Oscar. She's like right. a six-time nominee. Right, and was in yeah. so many like big canonical films and had worked with all the like great directors, great and she'd been co-stars. in the fucking Rat Pack. Right, right. Yeah. She was like the one lady who like hung with the Rat Pack. Yeah. Like she was like a legend. Um and so yeah, he gets these three people together mm-hmm. in this movie where uh Shirley McLean is kind of playing my grandmother. <laughs> She's playing a... Griffin's revealing some personal details Yeah, a right well-to-do now. Texas society lady, I guess. I, I don't want to accuse my grandmother of plagiarism because this movie did come out some years before I was born. Sure. But that was my grandmother's exact response when my mother told her she was pregnant. Wow. How can abortion? you do this? You're too young to make me a oh, grandmother. Oh, yeah. And we were not allowed to call her grandma growing up. We had to call her Menu. Okay. Which is a French gibberish word that she told us meant young and beautiful. <laughs> I also want everyone to know how important this story is to Griffin because I think he told this to me like the, the first the day, day we met. met. Yeah. Um, and then at least one more time subsequently. I think our, our drunken <laughs> He's really hotel bar night in yeah. London. Val and I went deep on it. Okay. Uh, Val, Val and I have deep conversations. Sure, uh, they get smarter and smarter the more old fashioned we drink. Yeah, we get we get so intelligent when we're drunk. You have no idea. People should be listening. Yeah, um, but my grandmother is very similar to this, except she's the uh, my my grandmother's a Polish Jew from Brooklyn. Sure, who then moved to Europe and was like, no, I've been a European socialite the whole right. time. Exactly. <laughs> She Let's went to forget, like it's yeah it's like right. <laughs> she was a classmates with Barbara Streisand at the same school in Brooklyn sure and then was like no I have always been a lady of aristocracy mm. um, but she is like the European socialite version of the like uh, Texan yeah uh, Southern Belle mm-hmm. that Shirley McLean's playing in this uh, so like from the get go uh, as someone who grew up around someone like that uh, every element of this character is so well done because it's so uh, easy for it to tiptoe into farce. Especially when, like, that opening scene, we get it. Like, she's intense, but it's all in the name of her daughter. Which, 
I think the whole movie doesn't work if you don't have that as a prelude. Because otherwise you oh, just yeah. be like, this woman is mean. I mean, yeah, right. She's scene, mean for a good 20 minutes right. after that. The, I mean, the scene where she tells her to basically have an abortion. Yeah. And not and then, marry her husband. And then when she suggests, when Deborah Winger suggests that she give her money. Right. What, what's the line where she says she gets very, like, she gets very stressed or very nervous about, about money. And then her daughter's like, that's okay. This will be too much for you. And just go. Yeah. And it's. She's like, don't do it. It's it's not worth the stress it will bring you to yeah, give me yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, even though clearly I have three children and cannot keep a roof over their heads right now. Right, which is the interesting thing is like, you know, they spend a good chunk of time in that like day before her wedding, day of her wedding, mm-hmm. right? There's like maybe like 20 minutes where you get like introduced to Betsy, which that's another thing. Patsy? I'm sorry. <gasps> Yeah, Patsy, her pal. Patsy, her pot-smoking pal. Mm-hmm. Pats. When they- Lisa Carroll. They smoke some reefer. The other thing I found out about the book is in the book, Hap has the affair with- <gasps> Shut up. With her? <gasps> yeah. What? That's so fucked up because in the book- That's rude. Okay, one of the things that really stands out to me about Patsy, sure. I got- She's, you know, she's a very- She has like, her own, like, transformation that- She's screen. a very dynamic character mm-hmm. for being so tertiary. Um, is the I fact also that said she, Hap instead of Flap. I'm fucking up everyone's name. Fucking Flap. Yeah. She- only wants the daughter. She only wants Melanie yep. at the end. Right. She'll take her and she's like genuinely upset when she is not given the daughter, but she has no interest in, in taking in care the, of the, the son. The right. So wait, so he's having an affair with her. In the book. Does she still want the baby? I believe so. <gasps> I should have done more research on the book. Yeah, you're, but I, you're saying a lot of shit about the I'm book. I'm opening up a lot, of, a lot of, yes. Um, but you that's were throwing why, Patsy under the bus. There are a couple moments where like uh, when they first drive off to move, um, there's a weird lingering look between uh, Flap and Patsy that oh. Deborah Winger clocks. And at the end, when Flap starts crying at the funeral, he like does it to Patsy and she puts her arm around him. And I think it was sort of like James L. Brooks was at least trying to imply that there was always like tension between the two of yeah, them. Sure. I guess I am. I took that as being I actually took that as being sort of tension in that kind of, you know best friend you yes. take care of her don't fuck this up because everybody knows you're a fuck up kind right. of way and, and yeah. the, the betrayal at the end is weighing on him obviously yeah yeah uh i think it's far more interesting what they ended up landing on i mean uh, his his uh other woman it really, janice janice yes yeah. uh, she really amuses me i, I like her uh, i yes. like her two scenes when when she leaves her daughter in the entryway to that building. I, that's the thing that distracted me in that entire scene when she chases her down yeah. in what, uh, Nebraska, when they get the, to Nebraska. The, yeah. the college. And she just sort of like jams the girl in her stroller in the entryway and leaves her there. Yeah. I don't know. These are how, the things. But she's always it? in the background of that shot, so we know that she's safe. Right. We can always see her. How old is Deborah Winger when they shot this movie? Because I cannot um, believe how well she plays having that many children. She is Even, 28. When the movie yeah. comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. So like 27. And she years. doesn't have a kid until a couple years later because her pregnancy is what made her That's drop out leaves, of yeah. broadcast news. She was married to Timothy Hutton. Yeah. For a few years. And then she married Arliss Howard. Right. Of the Lost World Jurassic Park. That's another killer acting couple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, she had. Oh, and she also dated Bob Carey, the governor of Nebraska for a while. And they met filming this. They met filming this in Lincoln, Nebraska. Wow. And I think he lost a foot in the war. Bob Carey, who was president of your university back back when you were there. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. of New School. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I give Bob Carey some comedy points right now? Uh, shoot. They met while she was filming Terms of Endearment. Yeah. Which I think caused some press hullabaloo because she was like, 
newly a big star Mm -hmm. and she's dating the local politician and he had lost a foot in the war and his public comment on the relationship was she swept me off my foot. (gasps) (laughs) It's pretty good. How did she not have babies with him? I know. He won the Medal of Honor. Bob Carey. He also won getting to date Deborah Winger for several years. That's the ultimate medal. He won 10 comedy points. We just gave him 10 comedy points. Uh, Deborah Winger is uh, her, she has fucking cartoon character eyes. It is insane, like how big and expressive and powerful her eyes are, especially in this movie. It's also why one of the things that I can't buy is when they give her cancer makeup. In yeah. the end, to like, we're going to try to make these look deep set. She looks incredible. And she already, yeah. No. She, she just looks so alive the, constantly. The one problem, or the one thing that surprised, I expected this to be a wasting away movie with cancer for She's half already an like a hundred pounds dripping She's, wet. What are you going to do? That is right. true. But right. They basically are like, well, let's put dark circles around your eyes and uh, uh, we're just not going to point <laughs> the camera at you when you die, which is a great artistic choice that we're going to make. But like also maybe you just don't look that sick no matter what we do to you. It's no. like she didn't look that bad. She went so quickly. Yeah, she went so quickly. Can I read you an insane trivia fact from the IMDb page? Uh-huh. Deborah Winger behaved erratically on the set of this film because she was trying to get over a severe cocaine addiction. Oh, well, it was the early 80s. At one point, she and Shirley MacLaine got into a shoving match. I wonder if that's what I'm reading. Is that sort of like feral, naturalistic? <laughs> well, she, act- she's she, just she can't stop fucking moving. high. Yeah. Yeah. She's always moving. Like when, oh, when, yeah. when she, she's sort of like contorting her body in funny positions, oh, like yeah. leaning down and moving And everything around. is Funny. Everything's funny. Yeah. smiley and yeah. weird. In a way that looks in- beautiful and spontaneous and unexpected. I mean, that's the thing I think about both of them. That's the, the single maybe like shared quality between these two actresses is they're both completely unexpected in their performances. Everything yeah. they do, every response they have, you know? But yeah, now I see how she might have just been high. That, like my favorite scene of hers is when they're in the bathroom and they mm-hmm. have the shower running because the baby is sick oh, mm-hmm. yeah. and the steam is rising. And she's just like, even though he's delivering devastating news to her, we have to like move, yeah. you know, cause I got a job and her baby is fucking sick and it's three in the morning. She's so like energetic and alive anyway. And you buy it. Like well, she's so, yes, you're making me question everything I feel about that performance. No, look, I, I think I, uh, was it all, was it all, was it all the coke? Was it all the coke? You could give me all the coke in the world. I couldn't give this performance. It's not just <laughs> well, coke. Yeah, true. Maybe that was a little special sauce and what was going on. <laughs> Here's another. And also, she's trying to kick it at Wait, this point. I mean, you... it's not even she's on that much coke. It's like this is her trying to get off of it. I'm sorry. Have you read some of the other trivia on this page? Very Lifko bizarre. Is it shot... also going to ruin the movie no, for me? No. Okay. Lifko shot his role in three days during a break from Footloose. Three days he shot this. Three movie days. In. Got an Oscar nomination. That's impressive. Let's he got go. an Oscar nomination? He did. he did, which is kind of bizarre. Really? It's a surprising nomination because he doesn't dominate at all. I mean, no. obviously he's a supporting actor, but right. still. I would have given it to Daniels over I was going to say, though. how does Daniels feel about that? Right. Yeah. Uh, not happy. I've read many interviews with him <sighs> where he said that he was fucking angry because literally every other actor got nominated. <laughs> that is true. It got four nominations. I, I think he's my number five if I'm ranking these performances. Daniels is your five? Yeah. I think Daniels is my four. I would put him ahead of Lithgow. I really like Lithgow. Like you were saying earlier, there's something magical about him in such a short period of time. But it's also the character. I mean, that's yes, the right. thing. It it's, like, it's the character. What, what, Jeff, I mean, and people probably didn't like Daniels because of his character. Well, I don't even right? mean they don't like him because of the character. I meant the fact that like 
Jeff Daniels does beautiful work with that character, but he's not going to do something that's more interesting than an inherently more interesting character, which Lithgow it's had. True. You know, he yeah. uh, he is a character so who don't conforms pick to Labradors if you want an award, right. basically. Uh, they wanted Janet Lee and Jamie Lee Curtis to play the mother daughter. That makes you know that's your 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 uh, you're casting the actual mother daughter. Uh, Jack Nicholson would do crazy things like show up practically naked on set, and almost all their scenes were improvised. Like this is nuts. It also said that yeah, I mean like James L. Brooks would play all these like mental games. Like this feels like a very light, fun, like spontaneous sure. movie. And apparently they were shoving each other. It's an airplane film, withdrawal. <laughs> right? Um, the other crazy. the other crazy fact here is uh, Jennifer Jones bought the book rights for this movie <gasps> because she wanted to make it as a vehicle for herself. Okay. Her husband Norton Simon, a millionaire, sure. then hired James L. Brooks to write the screenplay. I think off of starting over, right? And James L. Brooks was like, "I really want to make this. I want to direct it. I think it should be uh, Shirley MacLaine instead, right? Or or just a Someone different else. actress, yeah. right? Wow. So he had to convince Paramount to buy them out, and then he he like thanked her in all of his Oscar speeches, right, for letting him make the movie. But it's like, yeah, this film sounds like this crazy torturous process. John Lithgow was replacing someone who is unsighted who dropped out while they were filming. That's why it was like, we need someone quickly. Footloose was filming simultaneously. We can get Lithgow for a weekend. Like, it's it's nuts, but then this movie feels so effortless. Yeah. Like, it's very messy, but that's the appeal of the movie is that it just feels like very kind of, it's this movie feels like breathing. It's just like human behavior. Right. Um, what was the thing I was going to say? Uh, flap. Flap. That's what I was flap gonna say. I was four just gonna say flap. Flap. flap, four, five, flap, flap, four, five, flap. So the plot, uh, yeah, we, they, they, they live. Yeah, she lives in Iowa with her husband. Oh, I know. Mom lives in Texas. In I know Houston. the thing I was gonna say. Yeah. The, the reason I want to spotlight, the, yeah. I want to find out how young uh, call, Deborah uh, Winger, Winger was in this was, yeah. because she had so many children, and just she nails this kind of like. Uh, very unconscious physical multitasking mm-hmm. that mothers have where it's like what you're talking about in the shower scene where it's just like I can rock a baby and do six other things and not have to look at it. Like when we had yes. our friend Katie Rich on the show. And uh, she gave an incredible performance in the studio. Right. Like podcasting with us while like tending to a crying baby. Mm-hmm. And it was just like you're not even looking at it. Like it's just like automatic <sighs> at, at this him. point. him. <laughs> 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 Well, and even the, even her uh, losing her temper when she meets John Lithgow yes. in the parking lot. Right, with the kids. That sort of unselfconscious yeah. anger with the kid. But also, th- this leads me to the other thing that I love about it is how realistic the performances of the boys are. Mm. Yeah. The older, just snotty little boy. Yeah. Snotty older boy and then like the sensitive younger boy yeah. too. And he doesn't, like he doesn't want to talk in the end. He right. th- there's no, there's nothing wise about these children. There's right. nothing cynical about no. these children. Like it's, it's incredibly realistic what she was working with as well. It's yeah. interesting because he's made, he makes a lot of movies with children in them. Yeah. And the performances vary wildly. Like this is the one where the kids feel like real kids. But this I is also the one where think, the kids feel like real kids. I think that Sarah Steele in Spanglish is the only other one who feels like a real kid. Which Sarah Steele is fighting really hard to make. She's that a good case. actress. Right. Like you know, whereas right when you think of like the as good as it gets kid, yeah. or you know, I'll do anything kid. Like those are those are not good kids. Uh, the little kids at the beginning of Broadcast News are really good. Yes, sure. Um, but uh, the thing that is so impressive about this movie is it is so unconcerned with making the characters likable mm-hmm. because it's just like simultaneously awful things and wonderful things. Like he's just constantly just presenting these people in their full messiness. Yeah. Which is why it feels like 
like something like Boyhood or Moonlight, where it's just like, here's just chronicling a life. And you feel like this movie could just go on for like six hours and just continue showing these people at different periods. Sure. The way that like Lithgow and Nicholson like come in and then come out, you know. This would be a TV show now. A hundred percent. Right, if you pitch this. Yeah, six-part miniseries. Right, I want to do an adaptation of this McMurtry novel. Great. Like, I can't wait to make this a TV show. But that's why like the cancer almost weirdly functions, even now when the movie is known as a cancer movie. It certainly wasn't sold that way when it came out. But even now, it functions as like kind of a twist ending because Mm -hmm. it's sort of like Titanic where it's like, here's a movie about like two people that you're going to fall in love with for like all their strengths and all their weaknesses. And at the end, one of them is going to die. And it's not the one you might predict. Like, you know, it's the younger one who has much more of her life. Also, if like you go into a movie expecting a cancer movie, you're braced for like, I'm going to have to lose somebody. Like I'm going to watch them suffer. You're also braced for illness, which this movie doesn't have a lot of. Which is like like just how fucking life happens. Like Mm -hmm. people who live like rich, complicated lives and have different relationships and different periods, then suddenly get diagnosed with illnesses and then die. And that's like the most tragic thing in the world. Right. And this movie just makes you live with her for like an hour and 50 minutes. And then it's just like completely random and sudden. Well, and it's not a device in her character development. You know, it doesn't serve to give her any kind of meaning or change her or anyone around her in any way. Because it doesn't. It doesn't. Nobody changes it. It, it's, it's kind, it. it is that very, yeah. you know, slice of life thing of like, this doesn't mean anything. None of it meant anything. And also, the movie is moving at such a clip and how it jumps ahead in time that at the moment they diagnose her, you're like, wait, but we have like 30 more years to go. What are you mm-hmm. talking about? Like, mm-hmm. you're so ready to see the rest of her life. And there's no meaning to the fact that it ends then. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get to, like, close anything. It doesn't help anyone else come to any greater understanding of themselves right. or their relationship to her. And that's what's great. Yeah. It's not cancer as wisdom giver or something. No, you know sure. what I mean? Right. It's a movie about, like, how death affects people. By making it about her life and then having the death just be a fucking awful thing. Well, and it's also the thing about Shirley MacLaine that she's kind of constantly plagued by that parental fear of losing her from the from From that first first, scene. Um, And there was nothing she could do to prevent it. No. Right. At the end, it's totally cruel and meaningless. And for somebody who's completely afraid of losing their child, she also characterizes their relationship as warring and fighting all the time. Yeah. That beautiful scene where she's like, I never thought we were fighting. And her kid's like, I didn't think we were fighting. And, but, uh, also, you know, and then look, McLean is so. This is another movie, uh, like you say, it's a cancer movie. This is also a movie where you think of it as like, oh, it's McLean playing this like big mom character. Right. Whereas it's not, like, it's an incredibly yeah. restrained performance. Yes. Her big moments are things like where she's, the, give me the shot, give it the shot scene. Yeah. Where that's where she's just like, like, can't I help in this situation? And there's, you know, no help that she can provide except all, screaming at nurses to yeah, give her a shot. Yeah. I mean, all the big emotional outbursts in this movie work because they're playing against the instinct of big Oscar scenes. Like, her reaction to Nicholson breaking up with her is right. like staggering. Like, mm-hmm. I love every choice she makes, like, where she could have done, like, you know, Shirley MacLaine and Postcards from the Edge. Right. Like, you know, which is a performance I really enjoy. But, but, you but know. they always do the opposite of how you think a movie character would respond in those circumstances. Yes. Like, there's a weird, surprising, funny uh, response. Uh, James L. Brooks said the reason he cast her was she was the one actress who thought it was a comedy. Wow. And he felt like it was only going to work. I mean, this speaks to what you were saying about, like, I can't remember if this was before we started recording. I think it, the thing about 
It's there, there's two co-leads where they're, they're acting movies. like they're in completely yeah. different films right. and it works. And it works. Right. Because right. that defines the relationship between this mother and daughter is they don't speak the same right. language and they have completely different experiences of their relationship and their reality. And live yeah, they live in different worlds. Like literally the what they see around <laughs> them is completely different. They have like different glasses on. Shirley McLean experiences no hardship at all in right. her world, and yet she's like plagued by this sense of hardship and exactly. victimhood. Right. right. And and Deborah Winger has the opposite. Like mm-hmm. she views everything as being very positive. Right. Despite the struggles around her. Mm-hmm. Um but but I think that is a key to this movie working, is that you have someone like McLean who's playing into the comedy of the character and the situations rather than playing up the drama, which would probably make the movie, like, too fucking heavy to yeah. bear. Well, and again, nobody's playing up the drama. Like, no. Deborah Winger's not approaching it from a comedic perspective, but she's a character, like we were saying before, it's, like, is so full of energy mm-hmm. and and humor, and she she does, she laughs in response to everything. Yeah. Um, the, like, yeah. even the tough scenes to watch, like the shopping, you know, the supermarket oh scene, which God. is, like, my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Um, I like how that scene is kind of funny. Like when she starts adding up, and the lady's like, "We're going in the wrong direction." She I just think gives that's them such the candy bar so defiantly. <laughs> like, You're a very rude person. And the kids like, "Can't we like lose this with the mydol?" And she's like, "No, like <laughs> that stays." But that's also like that's Lithgow's big selling point is like he noticed, right? Like right. Flap is always like so caught up in like his classes. His status, I also like that he career. introduces right. himself as like I, I just declined your yeah. application for a second mortgage. It's like thank you for that exposition in your introduction. <laughs> right, you just gave us everything we need to know. But it's also like here's the guy who's like the face of her current problems. Yes, right. Who he also is, is like, but I'm I'm with you. Right. I just can't do anything about it. Ding dong. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yes, get the door, Griffin. Get the door. Oh, my God. David. <laughs> Are you David Sims? That's me. Roll these dice for me. Uh, Okay, sure. I, I don't know. Four. Tip-toe, tip-toe, tip-toe. I, I don't know who, who, who are you? I'm trying to get to the kitchen for a snack, but I can't wake Daddy. <laughs> You're you're the the board game character from Can't Wake Daddy. Don't wake Daddy. I'm the red kid. <laughs> it's great to meet you. Try I'm a not to wake Daddy. Longtime fan. All I want is a, is a midnight brisket. A midnight brisket. My favorite meal is a midnight brisket, but the problem is my daddy has such a bad mattress that he wakes up if I don't walk like this. David, roll the die again. Oh, here we go. One. You only got a one on that one? Yeah. I'm sorry. You still hold on to the other die. Can you roll? <laughs> yeah, there you go. One. Tip. <laughs> so do you, your dad, he, he wakes easily? Uh, constantly. Do you think his problem is that his mattress wasn't perfectly designed for him? Yeah, I mean, it was almost designed to not support sleep. It's a bag of rocks. <laughs> All right. Well, I think you could make an upgrade. What? Uh, from our friends at Casper. Okay. Uh, who make mattresses that are engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. What about my dad's natural geometry? Well, your dad, like most humans, I'm assuming, spends one-third of his life sleeping. More than that. I'd say probably (laughs) four-fifths. So he should be comfortable. Yeah, he really should, because right now I'm starving. I can never eat. 
So what if you could get an affordable mattress that is well-made and it doesn't cost that much because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to him? Okay, look, here's the deal, though. I'd have to sneak this past my father. Oh, right, because you can't wake him. I can't wake him. Is he never awake? He's never awake. Okay, so it's it's five-fifths. Yeah, I was trying to do him a little bit of a favor, but he's he's literally sleeping all of the time. Do you think he would care that these mattresses are designed, developed, and assembled in the United States? He would love that, but this is my biggest concern. Uh-huh. There's literally one spot that my father doesn't look. Okay. The spot I'm trying to get to at the end of the board. Right. Which is a mini fridge. Right. And so- Is if- there any way I could hide this mattress behind the mini fridge before I did the Indiana Jones style bait and switch? Well- some might say that this mattress is delivered in a how did they do that size box. What? Watch your volume also a little oh, bit. Yeah, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. And it, you know, roughly a mini fridge size. Oh my God. And it's free shipping and returns in the US and Canada. That's a good deal. I guess I have to pay full price for the rest of it, right? Um, well, no. You can be sure of your purchase with a Casper's 100 night risk free sleep on it trial. And. I've got one myself. You, David Sims? I, I sleep on a Casper mattress. Oh, my God. And any of our listeners, including your dad, he listens, right? I mean, yes. He plays it as white noise while he's trying to stay asleep. Uh, can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash check. Oh, so I have to check to make sure I type in casper.com? No. You can go to casper.com slash check and use check at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase. That sounds incredible. By the way, Valerie, I love the following. Thank you. I, I just have to watch it with subtitles. Why? Because my daddy is oh, always sleeping. Because. Yeah, can you roll these dice quickly? Yeah. Oh, my God. I got a 500. <laughs> wow. Good job, Valerie. Yeah, I know. Let me tiptoe out of here. All right, well, before you leave, before you leave, I just want to tell you, start sleeping ahead with the curve with, of the curve with Casper. Just a little quieter. $50 towards any mattress purchase. Casper.com slash check. Use promo code check at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, now will, will you roll these die? Yes. Now I only got a four. I mean, really kind of screwed. All right, tip. well, tipped over to the door there. Wow, God. I don't know how to feel. What an incredible occurrence. <laughs> That was great. Unbelievable. <laughs> thank you, Griffin. Don't thank me. Thank Daddy. Just not too loudly. Thank you, Ben, for not murdering anyone with a knife during that. Yep. <laughs> thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. <laughs> Daddy's dead. Uh, yeah, don't wake Daddy. <laughs> yeah. Forgot great about reference. that one. Very popular. Uh, so... They, they... <laughs> <laughs> Remember when he would wake up in the commercial, though, and he'd be like... He's he like a little curious. scary. Yeah, yeah. And, and his his sleeping cap would literally fly off of his head. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, the movie Terms of Endearment. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. We're uh, so, talking about the Lithgow. Has a lot of bed scenes. Uh, meeting in the oh, grocery store. Oh, his, his mm. exposition introduction. Mm. Yes. And then their three days of filming affair. Mm-hmm. Which... It, because of the way the movie jumps, you can't tell if they've started sleeping together already. And then he makes it clear, like, we're just contemplating sin. Like, yes. we're getting lunch a lot and holding hands and not doing anything. Mm-hmm. But she already, at this point, kind of suspects that Flat might be cheating on her. She's oh, yeah. early on. Oh, I'm yeah. on to you. There's the I'm on to you right. scene. Well, yeah. And I think it's it's established pretty, pretty early on that she harbors a lot of jealousy mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. And 
uh, whether or not it's like we don't know whether or not she's just being paranoid. So it almost feels like a sort of like, I don't know, some kind of like security choice on her part to just sure, have, have that, somebody have on ready. the side as yeah. well. She's also like her entire life since marriage, she's had to totally bend around what Flap wants to do, where he wants to live. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. barely there as a father. And she just keeps on getting more kids and having to, like, carry them simultaneously. Oh, yeah. They have the moment where she goes out of town to New York and he's like, well, what about the kids? And it's that idea of a father babysitting right. his own children for two about? days. And he yeah. has no idea what he's doing. And then even the fact that it becomes a decision they have to make of where will the kids go. Right. Yeah. Which I have to just sit there and process for a while when I'm watching the film. And, he, and it's the right decision. Like, it's great they thought of that. he doesn't really but, fight it. Like, that's the thing. He, like, no. finds it very depressing, but it's like, I can't well, He says, what does he say? I never thought I'd be the kind of man who gives up his kids. Yeah. It's like, we did. Yeah. We did this whole movie. Yeah. Insane. He also, his character strikes me as not being a good English professor. No. Because no, he's, he's middling. He's a middling, kind <laughs> yeah. of going to bad, small colleges. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which Shirley MacLaine totally I think totally he's in it for the girls a little bit. Yeah. 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 And the tweed, um, the, uh, the know, elbow the patches. Kind of elbow patches. Yeah. He loves those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, you're an educated white man in Texas in the 80s. You could be doing better than this if you want to be right. doing better than this. It's not even the, it's the 70s. This is 70, a period. Right. 79 yeah. is yeah, when most of it. Yeah, it's the, the main last. So there's year no reason he's not the president of a university. Right, now. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he should be the mayor of Houston. <laughs> right. yeah. uh, but McLean calls. Like, I, I love that too. That scene going back where she tells her not to marry Flap, mm-hmm. and Deborah Winger is like, "So you're just gonna, you know, I don't think you should come to my wedding if you feel that way." And she's like, "Great, that's a great relief for me." <laughs> Thank you for that permission. I agree. I felt hypocritical. <laughs> She's kind of stoned. She just walks up. My mother isn't going to my wedding. Right. It's really funny. Right. But it's like. If this whole movie is about, I mean, thematically, it's mm-hmm. about people and their limitations and everybody yeah. just accepting Everyone one accepting. another right. with their limitations. Like nobody, people act horrifically to one another. Yes, and they do. Nobody cuts anyone off. Right. No. Which I love. There's never estrangement. I mean, the closest you have to an estrangement is Nicholson and. McLean breaking up for many yeah. years, obviously. But then he's still but then he, yeah, he's there around. for her, which is weird because that's the one thing he didn't want to have in the relationship, right? It was like he wanted the sex without having the obligation. Right. right, but isn't that like he's just a fucking idiot who's like, well, I don't want the obligation, but I do feel very strongly about right. you. Well, I can't has, imagine how these things would be connected. And he has <laughs> yeah. a hero narrative too. He needs to sure. show up there he's in Nebraska a, when yeah, he's, he's in the an hospital. Astronaut. He's an astronaut. Yeah, he thinks of himself as a hero. Can we talk about his shrine in yes. the kitchen so, wait, of the all main, places? The main Main thing we haven't talked about is McLean and Nicholson's yeah. like romance, and yes, his shrine, his uh, his house. You gotta is like, use what you got. It's like on the dishwasher and things. Yeah. Like it's every surface in the kitchen. Yeah. It's a little tacky. Was it 150 <laughs> people, and I'm one. Of them. 106. It's 106. The funniest thing. Yeah. It's the yes. funniest choices. Occupation. He's a bum astronaut. Yeah. Like womanizing astronaut. That is so funny. And like mm-hmm. you give James L. Brooks all his credit for being like. Oh, what a brilliant idea of a character who has never existed yeah. in American storytelling up until this point. Like, and also, of he's like, that's what's in Houston? Guy. Oil, NASA. Right. Like, right. right? Like, I mean, like that's what you think of in Houston. And, and the sort of, like, mythology is that a lot of American astronauts had, like, drinking problems and depression afterwards because they kind of, like, could never get over it. Like, they right. felt mm-hmm. like of course. they peaked. And this is the opposite. Who's a guy who's just like, I'm a fucking astronaut. He never really wanted to be an astronaut. He just did it. He's like, I will get laid forever. No matter how fat I get. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like most astronauts can't get over not being an astronaut anymore. And he only wanted to be a post astronaut. Exactly. I just got to do it once. I just got to get there one time. It it is really funny to me that he beat. He's I think he he was an Oscar winner for this performance. Yeah. He beat Sam Shepard in the right stuff. 
who is like interesting. You know what I mean? Like yeah. who is playing like the real like yeah. cowboy of that movie, and like maybe one day would turn into a Jack Nicholson type. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, Sam Shepard should have won that year, though. Sorry, Nicholson is just so much fucking fun in this he's movie. So I mean, it he's is just great. like such an entertaining performance. I get really disturbed by the way he chews the oysters, though, when they go to lunch. <laughs> yeah. He chews yeah. the shit out of those yeah. oysters. You shouldn't. It, I, and you can see them in his mouth. That's a distracting moment for me. That that, that first date is uh, there's a lot there because there's her dress, which is <gasps> yeah, wild. So much. Well, also yes, the, her the, wig. The too. setup of mm-hmm. such, she's got some wigs. Such a good structural joke about how the movie has been jumping ahead in time sure, at that point, right? Where she's finally like, you know what? I'll take you up on that date. And he's like, that was like six years ago. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> like the movie acknowledges it only five I have minutes. Fifteen percent more paunch. Right. Right. Yeah. And he's also just so deflated by the time that he opens that door. Like yeah. the life has yes. left his Already, face. Right. He's right. so much grayer. We can tell. Yeah. But she doesn't really age in this movie, does she? Not really. No. That's true. Yeah, no. She's just Shirley MacLaine. Because she's got right. that same like organza dress going mm-hmm. on. And she spent a lot of time and effort and money maintaining one look for decades. Right. You know, it's draping like, a coat over her shoulders. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they finally go out for lunch uh, as her means to escape the, the weird. Three stooges of suitors. Right. Who are constantly well, having arguments and asking her how old she really is. That's the reason yes. she leaves. It's yes. not the suitors. It's because one of them calls her out about lying about her age. Yes. Right. Who is her physician, as far as I can tell. Yeah, like That's I, the reason he's calling her out. Which my grandmother a weird has. weird conflict of interest going on in that room. Very much so. Uh, my grandmother has uh, false ages on her legal documents. <laughs> Good for Which her. is a felony. <laughs> <laughs> Is she still with us? Is this the grandmother who's still yeah, with us? Yeah, okay. probably shouldn't say that on air. <laughs> okay. What's her Twitter handle? Uh, sure. It is at real Donald Trump. <laughs> um, so they go on this date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he offers her oysters. It's very, uh, he drives her the top down. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, a, a, a real woman comes prepared. Yeah, right. And then hard cut to her, like, <laughs> fighting great... the elements. Um. Uh, they have this sort of charged lunch where he's like, I recommend that you drink a lot if you want to hang out with me. Right. But the scene where he, what's the scene? Is it is it before this lunch or is it when the first time he asks her to be the date to the hypothetical dinner that got canceled where he's like, well, if you're already down, then why don't we just go straight to liftoff? Yeah, that's, I th- that's, I think that's, that's the six years, five minutes before. Yes. Right, right, yeah. right. That's his opening proposition, right. which maybe puts her off for about six-ish years. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but then they get to dinner. He immediately, like, once again, is just like, let's just get through this. Or not even dinner. It's lunch. It's an afternoon date. What I love and about He's it, like, let's rush through this to get to the sex part. He is so bad at all of that. All that of when it. she literally calls him and says, come look at my painting in my bedroom right, <laughs> at night. Right. Even that, he's like, I have to look at your painting. You know, he <laughs> sort of like weighs I it. I have to do anything. Because <laughs> yeah. he made a huge amount of effort. Like he did get there. That's yeah. not dressed. He wears his like country club tie or yeah. whatever. And yes. she kind of tries to play along because right. she has her little like coquettish prepared line about what uh, when little boys are impatient, they yes. don't get dessert. Yes. She's trying real hard to play she along with that for a moment. All the lines, right? Yeah. Like right. she knows how to, uh, how, how you're supposed to flirt but I guess he's in not this society one way. for like double entendres no, or any seduction no. right it's lead in the pencil but I also love like his introduction when she sees him out the window yes. with the two women in his car he's not even it's not working with them <laughs> right. and these women are like 22 like right. you, you almost could go like well I guess he gets away with this bullshit because he's usually dating women like a third of his age but you go like no everyone sees through his bullshit the very first one I think she sees him with 
the very first time she sees him, it's working. Yeah. Because that's when he's missing the garbage can and stuff to empty oh, the yeah. bottle. Oh, yeah. right, that's right. very and funny. He bring, and somebody, one of the women comes back into the house and we don't see, like, we yes. don't see the scene. We see it from her perspective. Yeah. And he brings her inside. But then the next time we see him with two young women, sure. he's in the car. He's like, come on. So it did work at one point. Sure. Yeah. It's just working less and less. They are yeah. a very age appropriate couple. He is, yeah. I think, three years younger than her. Oh, cool. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, so it's just like him and Helen Hunt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I think Helen Hunt is playing ten years older than him, and as as good as it gets. Right? That's right. That's yeah. correct. Yes. Um. But but they start this weird relationship. He like very quickly is like, you know, I date other women. Right. And it's like just fucking. Can't, yeah, he can't chill out. Can't be for romantic just a for one second. fucking I know. second. I immediately just thought of as good as it gets as being in like the same universe, and Helen Hunt is the granddaughter at the end. <laughs> Jeez. Hey. That, I mean, that, we I should mean, do, can we the do the math rep- on that? Yeah. The man's <laughs> reputation for fucking younger women is so immense that the, Nancy Myers made a whole movie about it. Yeah. Like that is what something's got to give is. Right. There is that moment at the end of like, as good the as it ludicrous gets. premise of something's got to give is what if Jack Nicholson fell in love with a woman his own age? <laughs> like that's like the joke. But there is that moment at the end of as good as it gets where he goes to Helen Hunt's uh, apartment and Shirley Knight's there, and you're just like, he should just start dating the moms. Yeah. I wish like he looked and was like. Oh, a woman my age. Right. He's got we some have other, more to talk he's about. He's got some other problems. He's got some other issues. Yes. yes. Um, but but yeah, it's like they form this relationship where I do like that even though stuff is obviously tense between Winger and McLean, they do have this sort of open dialogue where like Winger is able to like criticize her mother mm-hmm. and talk about yes. like the things that she's well, not acknowledging about what herself. What Valerie right. said, like there's never an estrangement. Like no. they might say yeah. things to each other that are crazy sometimes. Right. Well, but, and like, she, like the, the closest thing to an estrangement was when she didn't talk to her for what, three weeks right. after right. the wedding or so right. she wouldn't answer the phone. Right. And then all Shirley McLean really needs to do is just like barge through with what's going on in her life and yeah. interest Deborah Winger enough that right. she'll just forgive her because she wants to know what's happening in yes. Houston. Right. Um, Which it's nice then when that's flipped where Winger calls and just won't stop talking and McLean has to be like, I'm in bed with the astronaut. Right. I can't talk right now. For the, the one time she can't talk. The one time yeah. she can't talk. Um, because like that's that one time where she calls and and Deborah Winger's like, I'm sorry, mom. Like I'm putting the kids in, you know, they're getting yeah. ready. And she's like, no, I've, called you ready to have a conversation right. yeah. like you're gonna talk to me right now they do have this nice kind of relationship though where they like meet in the middle mm-hmm. and it at some points the movie does it feels like reduce it to like oh, god it's been way too long since this broad got laid yeah. but I also feel like it's something about the fact that it's like here are two people who are equally difficult mm-hmm. in different ways but they're like willing to call each other out on bullshit because they both have so many weird, like, defensive walls built up around their personalities and how they want people to perceive them, you know? Well, they call each other on their bullshit, bullshit because they essentially also will accept each other right. unconditionally right. for right. their bullshit. So there's no reason not to say something about it. Right, which is kind of beautiful. And, like, even at the end of the movie, it's like, maybe they weren't supposed to date, but they're, like, good people to have in each other's lives, mm-hmm. you know? I think the sex thing goes beyond, like, she needs to get laid or whatever as well. It's also, like, finally, she's like, 
Oh, I get why you married the idiot. This right. is yeah, fun. Right. Like, I, yeah. I, I see this. Like, I, I maybe I didn't have that perspective before. And also letting another person into her life. Right. Like, those three suitors are like, you know, the movie implies They're at that props. point that they've been, like, following her around for, like, seven years. Yeah. And she lets them, like, kiss the ring and then just yeah, sit right. at the table, like, groveling. Well, yeah. and I mean, if you go into it, like, obviously, we never see her relationship with her husband. With, right. Uh, with Albert Brooks. With, what? <laughs> yeah. He voices the yeah. husband. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But there is that feeling that it's the kind of relationship wherein she never was intimate in an emotional way or yes. even like truly present in a physical way, right. obviously, with her husband. So she gave all of that intimacy to her daughter. Yes. And then it was asked of her even after she moved away. So it's like it needed she needed somebody else to sort of serve that purpose and mm-hmm. be a connection that's actually in physical proximity to her. And so she picks literally the closest person in physical proximity <laughs> right, to her. Right. That's like, his... you're there. You are so fucked up and I hate everything about you, <laughs> yeah. but you're next door. You're next door. So. Yeah. That's his one point when he's breaking up with her where I'm like, I, he's got a point there where he's like, we literally live next to each other. It's a little weird. Like, yeah. And it's like, that would be weird. Don't date your neighbor. Right. Don't, right? That's a good call, right? Yeah. Don't date your neighbor. He, I know one person who dated her neighbor it was a disaster. It was a very bad idea. He still clearly like can't get over what he respects about her as a person. Even if it stops him from being able to commit to dating her seriously. Mm -hmm. Like you can tell that he appreciates her and recognizes how much she makes him want to be a better man. Oh boy. You just bored him that much with that really No, I'm just tired, guys. Yeah. But, uh, TGIF. But yeah, I mean, going back to what I was saying about- I'm But it's it's that beautiful thing about the relationship between Winger and McLean where we were talking about that they um they will call each other out on things. Yes. And then you have the moment with the grandson when I can't, I can't listen to you criticize your mother anymore. And yeah. she hit. And talk she, about she slaps him, which, the shit out of And it of references him. something Winger says earlier where she says, Don't make me hit you in public. Right. To her son. Yeah. Um and it's maybe my favorite. A moment of Brooks as a pure visual filmmaker because uh-huh. the movies had these kind of like locked off like occasionally there's a little camera movement but a lot of locked off like wide shots or two shots of people in long takes and there's like a nice kind of like you know somber walking out of the hospital her with the children sort of like master shot and then when he says that McLean slaps him and the kid runs away the camera starts like chasing yeah. after them like it's fucking the born identity yeah. <laughs> and it like gets right in their face to when like McLean grabs him right. mm-hmm. and it's like such a vital moment of just like she slaps him he slaps her back and she slaps him again being like yeah. I don't want to do this but right. you know you can't hit me yeah. and you can't criticize yeah. your mother right and then she just starts aggressively kissing him to like button that physical right. interaction see that's the thing I think this movie is ultimately about is like how contradictory human behavior can be to human emotions. Mm -hmm. Like it's all these weird responses to situations that movies usually present as being cut and dry. Well, it's because movies are always trying to find meaning in them. And that's what makes this different is there isn't a meaning in the narrative. You're not getting to some point or learning something, you know, it just, they don't get anywhere. I mean, yes, Shirley MacLaine grows. I don't, I think, I don't know. There's a discussion we had whether or not winger grows much as a character uh, I don't know she has I less mean, room she kind of she, starts she, out right she's shackled or what, however you want to put it she's like locked I was gonna into say, this I think she starts out kind of preternaturally wise and positive does, and, and like, then she just I, physically ages into that being yeah. appropriate well and also but right but again there's 
It's what's so appealing about her, obviously, early on is she's so worldwide, but then she's sort of stuck in this in zero, you know, for a lot of the movie. Right. But it it's, doesn't it, impact the tragedy her character. of this character who you feel like never gets to live the life that she maybe could live. Right. Except then you see her in New York. Well, that's and her interaction with those women. I want women. to talk about the New York section because that's where I, I think you really sense It's also the, the 80s. Right. Let's right. not yeah. forget. Oh, yeah. it's yeah. making a real commentary about yeah. women Brooks in the 80s. Brooks is taking out a like, sniper rifle. Yeah. We'll make a movie about women, but they're all going to be housewives and they're all going to be in the Midwest yes. or the South when we get to those coastal elite working women who don't have babies and talk about their yeast infections They're going at to lunch be monsters yes. like yes, yes. evil uh, harpies yes uh, all shoulder pads and short haircuts. But, but and you, it's Robert Palmer yes. video. Made one of them. Now she's going to take her daughter and turn <laughs> it, Melanie into one of those it's evil. It's true, New York Patsy bitches. with the yes. short hair. You get to that section where she starts like fully verbalizing how she feels being around these women, and you're like, she's not someone who just settled for something and doesn't think about it. She has full awareness yes. of the life she has chosen for herself, what life she could be living otherwise, why she's happy in her world. You mm-hmm. know. Despite struggles, yeah, like, I never sense that she's shackled. No, really. I mean, well, I, it's she the doesn't Nebraska have choices. move that That's feels yeah. hard. She doesn't she's, get choices. She's good in Iowa. Like, I feel like she's happy in that house, even yeah. if it's tough to afford. It's a nice looking house, yeah, it's cute. honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the it's the Nebraska move where my girlfriend was like, Humble she's bro. not gonna move to. Well, Nebraska. Is she she and was he really makes annoyed the decision about that. When she's left him and yeah. packs the That's whole the, house. Yeah, yeah. It's not even just he made this decision because he's the breadwinner and therefore that's where they're going. It's like, and the Janice is there. And the Janice is Janice. there. Fucking Janice. Fucking Janice. And also, who, who responds to? Are you having an affair with? Like, it's like someone who like runs a basketball team being asked if he's trading a player. He's like, you know. I, there's conversations that need to be have, and I can't really talk about this right yeah. now. You Any know what feelings I mean? like, you might be having are valid. <laughs> that was, that's incredible. Also, she's supposed, I mean, it's, I don't know, we could look at the actresses, but she's supposed to be a grad student who's significantly younger. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, for sure. She does not, she, looks she his could age. be one of those New yeah. York bitches like working in. <laughs> Daniels does not age. You no. know what I mean? Like, we're saying, like, Winger like, is just as plausible as a 21 year old yeah. and is a 37 year old. Mm-hmm. Like, Daniels always looks like he's 24 years old. But I old. like that because like, he he's looks kind like of a like a puppy. fucking man boy. Like, yeah. the idea is yes. he yes, probably for sure. still for behave sure. the exact same way he's when he's 16. He's wearing the same elbow pad coat. Right. He's right. wearing the same haircut. Like, nothing's changed about him at all. It's like the childhood version of a. English professor. Like, this yeah. is what I'm going to be like when I'm a grown-up. And he just stays playing that role. Which Girls is like, will be impressed with books. Right, which is like, like the certain types of people who go to teach at college for the rest of their life because they constantly want to be um, idolized by 18-year-olds. Yeah. Well, you know? Yeah. Uh, gross people, I call them. <laughs> um, but then, okay, so then like the the big hammer drops. Yeah, well, I mean, we basically talked about it. I mean, right. We're done. I mean, right. honestly. Like, the answer in terms is of, not the point of this movie. Happens yeah. an hour and 45 minutes in. Sure. It's a two hour, 10 minute movie. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's sort of like thrown off. And first months. it's like, oh, yeah. there's a cyst, oh, whatever. You don't wash well. <laughs> <laughs> you never knew how to wash. Yes. Yeah. Like, Whose fault is that? Seriously. I mean, come on. And like, as she starts to talk about it with everyone, everyone refuses to acknowledge that they're upset and scared. Yes. Like her, especially when and, like the malignant call is like very like, well, I'm malignant. Right. None of Patsy's them. the most upset person. Yes. Not those scenes where it's like lots and lots of scenes with doctors where we're, we're understanding the various things. You know, it's just, yeah. it, it's all just sort of happening. It's really like, fast. oh, you have yeah. some lumps. Uh, no, you're going to die. Yeah. I think she seems to find out the information really quickly. Very well. quickly. Yeah. This movie cuts out all the shoe leather. Yeah. Like it only it gives does. you the scenes that matter emotionally. It doesn't mm-hmm. give you any expository scenes where it's like, here's setting up the third check-in. Yeah. Like you find out it's terminal, you know, when it's just like, yeah, I'm not going to make it. 
you don't get the scene where they're like, there's nothing we can do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's brutal. There's a moment that kills me at the end. Both from, it, I find it weirdly the most emotionally affecting thing in the movie. And I also just think it's a stunning piece of uh, filmmaking and acting and all around just sort of like humanist storytelling. Uh-huh. Uh, that really shows the difference between like a what moment. She's there. Sure. Ask the kids to come in. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. This is the moment that gets me too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And it's one shot uh-huh. of her in bed, stays there in silence while we're waiting for the kids to come in, and and she adjusts the hospital bed mm-hmm. down to their height. With no sort of like sadness, she she's takes just off sort of the makeup too. Ahead. Like Patsy's yeah. just been yeah, doing her she, makeup, she takes it off, right. and then right. she gets lower. Because yeah. she's all sort of red cheeked, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, New York lady, yeah. Oh, the, the unceremonial just lowering of the bed mm-hmm. without any like you know you don't cut into a close up of her going like <sighs> you know this is true, and then she just goes about it, and and she just has to so matter of factly say to them like, look, I'm not going to make it. I understand yeah. you hate me now. Right, and that's the thing oh, where God, she also needs to speech about like someday you're yes. gonna feel. She needs bad to address about- their future <sighs> emotions about this very moment. Right, and she doesn't really address the she younger knows- one because she knows he's not going to have as much memory of it, and yeah. his right, but- his response is kind of you know, quote unquote appropriate. It, it is so I think unsentimental. Also, it's like objective based. Like, here's what I need to tell you. Right. And then just, I think that went really well, don't you? <laughs> that's that's the part okay. where uh, I start crying. I think also the younger kid who I just want to point out is played by an actor called Huckleberry Fox. Yes. Which is a fantastic name. Uh, is more her, you know, like yes. I feel like they have a little more of a connection throughout the movie. Like they get each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That kid gets it. He mm-hmm. wants to help uh, in various scenes, like, you know, he's a little more, whereas, like, the older kid's a little more rebellious, a little more standoffish. He's the older kid. And he was also really independent when he was depicted younger yes. by that younger actor. It's like, he There's kind that of shot ha- of him going out of the house. Yeah. And just sitting down. I love that. Where you're like, is something about to happen? Like, is he in trouble? Like, and it's, he That's just sort the, of sits well, on the steps. The thank you for saving our marriage yeah. Yeah. scene, which is so good all in. Like, everything about what that What a good movie. Well, I was like, there's this movie. thing about it, too. It's like, we talk about her as a mother, but one of the things that I think is really radical about it as well again 35 years ago Mm. is her children are not the central figures in her emotional world and even in their family it's about her and her husband and they are sort of spokes on that wheel who are affected but ultimately they kind of have to they're responsible for themselves you know being a mother is kind of treated like her career you know it's like this is her career arc but then I mean but then what sets off Shirley MacLaine is when he says that their mother was always too lazy to look into cubs. Right. It was like she had one, you know, this idea of she had one job. Right. Yeah. But she still didn't even do those things. When, of course, we know that, like, she probably couldn't afford all that stuff. Right. And this movie is so good at leaving stuff unsaid because, and it would have been earned at this point, but he gets brownie points for not doing it. When she runs back, grabs him, and says, I can't listen to you talk about your mother that way. Right. Not now. I was like, Here's going to be the big Oscar speech. Sure. She goes like, you don't know what your mother did for you. Right. And here's a three-page monologue. And instead, it's these characters who can't fucking verbalize themselves. You know, they can't verbalize but all the things But she does because she verbalizes exactly what she actually needs in that immediate moment. There's an economy which is just, of language. Yeah. I, I cannot have you criticizing her right now. And it doesn't require right. a speech. Like, he's not in any position to be taught anything. She's not yeah. in any position to give a speech about it. Yeah. But she can identify her immediate emotional need and she sets that boundary it's, now. It's the it. what, not the why. Because we know the mm-hmm. why because we've been watching the movie for two hours. Yeah. Um, and, and God, that two shot of McLean and Daniels when they realize that she's gone. 
And McLean like is fucking losing it because mm-hmm. she clearly thinks that she's going to get the big Oscar scene with her daughter to totally make sense of their relationship before she dies. Mm-hmm. And also thinks that will give her the sort of like relief. And now it's just like, nope, it's just a moment. And I think there's also a disbelief like, that it actually yes. happens, yes. especially yes. because right. enough, not much was allocated to that in terms of the film, in terms of the scenes that like you talk right. about. We don't see her, you know, descent and whatnot. Yeah. The strings aren't swelling. Yeah. It's just she another looks night. Fine. She looks fine. Yeah. And Daniels is just like dumbstruck. Right. Totally dumbstruck. Yeah. Like can't even process it. Well, he also, there's always this, there's a feeling I have with that character as if he always expected her to go one way or another, like she yeah. was going to leave him or something. You know what I mean? Like he never expected to have 30 more years with her. I also. Yeah. And Shirley MacLaine did. I Not 30, but, yeah. love that he never finds out about her affair. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love <laughs> it. That he will just go to his grave being like, she was so much better than me, which she was. Yeah. She never would have done something like what I did to her. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And she she had her affair off of a suspicion, which was probably correct. I think she also had her affair off her affair off of a need. Off uh, of an 100%. Need. That's the biggest thing. Right. But was able to like justify it to herself as like Flap's probably doing this. I need this and Flap's probably not treating me any better. Right, yeah, she didn't seem to have any qualms about it no. when they're having that discussion no, and in the diner. she's furious about the Janice thing without ever saying like, look, I get it. I was, you know, up to no But she does this well. before yeah. the Janice thing. She, she yes, starts that's what I'm the saying, right. And, then, but, and yet when the Janice thing rears its head, she's like, fuck you. Isn't there that moment I in the worse, hospital it's though? It's worse. Yeah. It's worse. He dragged the family Yeah, there. isn't there that moment in the hospital where he starts to bring it up and she goes like, you're right, we shouldn't talk about our marriage right now. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like she doesn't want to have to admit it. Uh, yeah, maybe that's part of it. And also, it's like, what's what's the point at this point? I mean, that's <laughs> what that I think. That's real thing. Like, right. Like, well, who, what's we don't gained? need to keep having this argument that it has no solution. It would be no a point, knife yeah. twist. Right. Um, yeah, and then it ends with a funeral where every character is, is there just quietly trying to uh, move on with their life. Flap finally breaks down. Nicholson reaches out to the rebellious boy who he sees something in. McLean gets a, a, a five-point comedy joke in there about Nicholson picking up the daughter. Um, and, and it like ends on her just kind of like wistfully laughing. Yeah. It's, it's Good not ending. a depressing or a depressed. No, no funeral. And just a little laugh cut to blue yeah. credits. Right? right. Like, yeah. Right. Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> America uh, lines up around the block to see it a fifth time. We'll talk about the box office yeah. in a second, but also one best picture. One, best of our, director, one of the best few films play. we've covered that is one best picture. Yes. And right? the only first film we've covered, certainly. Sure. We've covered uh, one other best picture? Titanic. Titanic. Is there any others? I don't think Did so. Did you just call it Titanic? Yeah, the movie he, Titanic. He, he thinks yeah. that's funny. I'm just checking. <laughs> I feel like someone else called you out for that recently. Uh, Chris Gether. Yes. I think right. because everyone wants to know if it's intentional and you think it's funny. It is. He does. It is. It is intentional, and he does think it's funny. Uh, yes, right. yes, that's true of almost anything Griffin does. Yeah, you're like, is that intentional? And do you think that's funny? I think yes sometimes and yes. he stumbles into things, or he accidentally says things, and then he commits to them. He commits. Makes the choice. Never. That's I true. can't even believe you would say that. That has never happened. As if I've ever <laughs> misspoken and then doubled down to true. own it as a joke. I've never out of embarrassment. said anything unintentional. In never. My life. Ever. Um, this movie won five Oscars. Uh, Picture, right? director, screenplay, actress. And supporting actor. Oh, and supporting actor. Right. It's good. Yeah, yeah? it's, it's a, a movie. I'd say Big it's a, fan, huh? It's about as good as it gets. Yeah, this movie is about. How do you know? As good as it gets. I well, I heard that on the broadcast news. <laughs> Spanglish. Anytime. Oh my god. <laughs> ben, you like it? 
Uh, Had yes. you seen it before? No. Uh, I kind of love movies set in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I think I was born in the wrong era. Yeah, I think that's probably true. We got to make a, a mediocre white guy <laughs> who likes to drink too much and smoke pot. Like, I belong <laughs> as a burnout dude in the 70s. Yeah. Also, like, the best films were made in the 70s. Yes. So the second best films are set in the 70s. Right. So we, we were saying this. and yeah. or set. We were saying this before uh, we start recording, but how this movie makes both of us angry that they don't make movies like this yeah. anymore. For sure. Yeah. And I feel like as a fan of movies, you feel that kind of anger where it's like, God, look at how confident they are in telling their story the way they want to, mm-hmm. you know, with such delicacy and perception and all of that. But also as an actor, I get furious that I'll never get to act in a movie like this. Yeah, we we won't. We probably you might won't. act probably in not. a TV show like this. Yeah, it's called The Tick. Yeah. It's exactly like this. It's the terms of endearment of TV shows. Before we do the box office game, there's just one Oscar nomination I want to point out that blows my mind. Uh-huh. This film was nominated for Best Sound. Yeah, that's weird. That's a weird nomination. Oh, the, we that tricky car in the music water. The music. Theme. Oh, that's true. Sound. That's yeah. true. Which we also, I don't feel so like good. we fully investigated. Well, the car you, you water really theme. wanted to talk about how they start the sports car after it is flooded. That shit is flooded. <laughs> that right? shit is not starting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the stunt of throwing him from the car is very good. If you wanted me on my back, you could have just asked. Yes. Yes, it um, also is the the most violent post boob grab scene I've ever seen, and the fact oh, that they stay in it for and that then he gets long it is stuck great. in the oh, oh my god, she's like it's, twisting his wrist. Yeah, that's probably the most farcical yes. Yes. moment. It's yeah. very it's vaudevillian. Yes, and because she, she's holding it on to her breast quite clearly, but also right. like that trying to like judo seconds. flip him almost <laughs> in the sand. Yeah, um, but the music by Michael Gore. Yeah, what what did you want to say, Benny? It rules. Sometimes it was a little yeah, it grates sometimes. Yeah, it's, sometimes it's it's well executed. Other times you're like, what? Is ha- what is this? I He's like- the fame guy. Yeah, that he was known for fame before this. He did okay. like the songs, for, the fame. songs for fame. Right. I like that the the score like sounds kind of like a jaunty like opening sitcom theme, and then it's, gets into this like very sad. That's the thing I don't segment. I don't like it because. It's a it does what the movie doesn't do, right. which is sure. that it tries to tell you what to feel. That was and the problem. film, like the film, never does that. Sometimes the direction it, doesn't do it. It comes up a little loud. Where you're like, mm, yeah. we're fine. We're in the scene. Don't worry about it. I just think it's a it. banger. Like when I go to the club, <laughs> I ask him to put on terms of endearment. Do that needle drop. You know. So we're gonna. Na, 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 na. Can we play the box office game? Yeah. Uh, we, there, I think there's one other important thing we have to talk about. Yeah. That this movie weirdly has its sequel. It does have a sequel. It doesn't exist and no one talks about it. Called ever. The Evening Star, am I correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, which I have not seen. Not directed by James L. Brooks, not nope. written by James L. Brooks. But Shirley MacLaine's in it, and guess who else is in it? Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Jack Nicholson showed up for this. Insane. In 1996. Now, uh, I don't think he. I don't think, yeah, I don't think he 96. does. I think he's probably in like one scene or something. I heard it's an extended cameo. Sure. Is it the scene where he sleeps with the granddaughter? <laughs> Boy, because she is the other character. I think right? Juliet Lewis plays the granddaughter. It's Juliet Lewis. Possible? Juliet Lewis. Yeah. Uh, Bill Paxton is in it, which is I'm all for yeah. any sure. Texan drama. Like I want Bill Paxton, Miranda Richardson. Nice. Like it's a perfectly good cast. And uh, oh, what's her name? Weirdly got a Golden Globe nomination for that movie. What's, what's her, her name? name? Uh, who's the other person in the cast? Juliet Lewis. Shirley Miranda Jones. Richardson. No, not Shirley Jones. I'm gonna find out for you in from one the Partridge second. family. What's the name of the person? Marion Ross. From Happy Days. Happy Days. Yes, of course. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, she's Mrs. in Gilmore C Girls, too. Yeah. got nominated for Best Supporting Actress for that movie, mm-hmm. which came out and bombed really fucking hard. 
Uh, it did. It did get a Society of Texas Film Critic Award nomination for Shirley MacLaine. A Lone Star? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want to watch it now. I really do. What? I kind of do too. It's it's similar length. Mm-hmm. It's 130 minutes. Uh, it was directed by someone called Robert Harling, who is the guy who had written Steel Magnolias. Right. But he had never made him directed a movie. Mm-hmm. He also wrote The First Wives Club and Soap Dish. So he was, you know. He had his lane. Lady movies. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about the other secret sauce of this movie? Yeah. Because there's a figure, if you go deep on 70s and 80s cinema, who keeps on popping up in the right places. Richard Marks? Polly Platt. Oh, yeah. Polly Platt. Polly Platt, who was married to Peter Bogdanovich when he made good movies. And when he left her for Sybil Shepherd, he started making bad, bad movies. movies. Wow. Yep. And he, she was there for many big American filmmakers' first films as a production designer, eventually became a producer and became a big partner at Gracie Films, James L. Brooks's company, but was there for this, Say Anything, yep. Bottle Rocket, was kind of this like quiet hand to a lot of those people. She was always out of the spotlight. There's very little like sort of footage of her, or interviews with her, but everyone has always cited her as this like insane kind of guiding force for all hmm. these careers. And then they all kind of moved past her and then very often would not make reached the same heights they did when she was with them. I'm so shocked by that narrative. Right? That's so surprising to me in every way. Polly Platt's a really fucking interesting figure. <laughs> if someone I'm writes a whole fucking sarcastic. book about at some point. Uh, two sarcasm points. Thank- Ooh, I don't feel like those are good points. Those are good points. No, they're good. This movie opened number two okay. at the box office on 260 screens. And Return of the Jedi was number one. <laughs> no, Return of the Jedi is already departed theaters. When does it come out? Oh, it's like November, Ewoks, Shirley MacLaine. November 25th. Okay, so it's a Thanksgiving picture. It expands yeah. the next week. Okay. Uh, but it opens number two to $3.4 million. Huge. Uh, sure. It's going to gross 108, I think, domestic. Which today would be like 300. Yeah. 300. Insane. Because they made yeah. it for what, eight? Yes. Yes. It did. Quite well. That's that's pretty crazy. Like a time when it's like, okay, we open on 260 screens. Right. We make a hair under four. This movie's looking pretty good. We're halfway back to making our budget back. Uh, yeah, right. And it's definitely going to win the, all the major Oscars. Right. Uh, number one is a family cult classic. Ooh. Uh, embarrassing confession. I've never seen this film. It's a family cult classic. Have you seen this? Of course. Yeah, because that's the kind of reaction you usually get From when you say you've never seen it. Eighty-three. It's a holiday movie. Holiday movie. It's not a Christmas Vacation, is it? No. I've you were close. That, Christmas Story? Boom. Opened at number one? Uh, really? This is its third week and last week. It, no, this is its second week. It opened at number three, rose to number one. You've never seen a Christmas Story? That's Isn't weird. that crazy? Yeah. I'm shocked. Yeah. So like one like Christmas classic I've never seen, I Is guess. it a choice at this point? Are you abstaining? I, no, I just never knew that this was the thing. And then suddenly when I was a little older, I realized like everyone loves this movie. And, every, watch and every network up. marathons yeah. it yeah. on Christmas? I was going to say, in David's defense, it, it's not like they ever show it on TNT. Yeah. I mean, there aren't a lot of opportunities for him to watch it. All right, well, I really did not want to do this, but, you know, I did grow up in another country. Oh David, you can't drop a bombshell on this this late in an episode. We would what? need 45 minutes to dig into this. No, really what are you like talking about? Well, this. like Canada, right? Our neighbors next door, no. Canada. You grew up they in the United States of America. No. They would show this, they would show this in Canada. Canada. So no. what are you saying? In Britain. Britain. <laughs> what? Yeah, I grew up in London. You know that. God, I've told you a million is, times. I've never, I, I never, I've it's known this. calls it Britain too. Five years I've known this man. One of my he's, best friends. He's really fancy. Mm, I'm very fancy. Anyway, this movie is nothing to British people. So I think that might be part of it. I, I can attest to that. 
My husband had never seen it oh. until until I watched it with him. That is there true. There you go. It's just the, yeah, it, it's an American cult classic. Endless sources of disappointment. Yep. Wait, is your... He is from Britain, yes. Wow, oh, this is a bomb drop. God. I know. Uh, He's never seen Terms of Endearment either. Wow. I know. Um, hey, can I tell you something crazy? crazy? Mm. When when my insane Shirley MacLaine-esque grandmother decided to rebrand herself as a European socialite, mm. you know who she married? My biological grandfather? I don't. An Englishman? <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm a quarter British, baby. Oh, ben, what do you got? I'm just the whitest... <laughs> Uh, most American. You just low. look super English. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm you do just, look. I'm just like a mutt just ruddy from the and island. ginger. And yeah. yeah, you look like an artisanal potato farmer. <laughs> I will. Take you look it. like the guy to bring think, potatoes back. I'm seeing more dairy, frankly. Oh, interesting. Like, oh, sure. He's like from cheddar. Okay. Yeah. I make cheese, perhaps. Perhaps. I yeah. wouldn't be into that. Cheese. Good, strong cheddar. <laughs> Cheeseman. A cheeseman. A monger, if you will. A cheesemonger. Different thing. Different profession. A fromangier. Uh, uh, I always thought Christmas Story bombed the, I when I believe it's, it's the, the seller. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it made $20 God. million, dollars, yeah. which is not great. No, but I thought it like did nothing, and then the cult came later, but I guess it did okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Number three at the box office is one of the other movies that was nominated for Best Picture this year. 1912. Uh, it's another movie that they probably just wouldn't make a movie of anymore. It would probably be a TV show. Did it win anything? Uh, I don't think so. It got nominated uh, for Best Pick. Had a famous soundtrack. A famous? As famous as Terms of Endearment's soundtrack. More. More. My Whoa. mother owns this soundtrack was it on a, vinyl. Was it a musical or not? No. Ooh. It was one of those early movies where the soundtrack had all these rock hits and people actually bought it. The Big Chill? The Big Chill. Ooh. Big Motown soundtrack. Yes. And the, That's a great one. Because yeah. they, they used to have uh, a place in New York called the Motown Cafe. Sure. Which my dad loved because my dad's all about Motown. It was like a horrible, like hard rock type right, place, but right, my dad right. liked it because they had guys come out and pretend to be the Temptations. And so I would just look at all these like framed record albums they had, and I always would be like, "What the fuck are these white people doing on the wall?" Like it was like all these great Motown records, and then the Big Chill was like prominently displayed, and I was like, "William Hurt did a Motown record." <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. He did. That's right. He did a Motown record. Yeah. It was called The Big Chill. But it, that was with a huge, Larry Kasdan. Huge album. Huge album, big movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, big chill. Big hurt. Real big chill. Yeah. Number four is a franchise film that is technically not part of the franchise that it is part of. Never Say Never Again? Correct. I mean, it's a specific clue, but how else do you describe that movie? The one Bond book where the rights Which I believe is Thunderball? Yes. Uh, it's One of them is owned by someone else. The rights were split. The rights remain split as right. far as I know. So there's yes. the official Bond Roger Moore Thunderball, but then the other no, half it's the rights. Sean Connery. Thunderball. I thought no, because it's one of the ones. Are you sure about this? Yeah. I think that's a remake of a Roger Moore one done no. again with Sean Connery. They did the same book twice? Pretty sure. I'm that's looking insane. it up now. You know, I've only ever seen one Bond movie. Yes. It ever. is the second adaptation of Thunderball, which that's insane. Connery had already done. What's the Bond movie you've seen? I'm not going to sound cool because it's Casino Royale. I mean, it's no, a good movie. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, they did this unofficial Bond movie with uh, Sean Connery. Yes. That came out the same year as an official Bond movie. Right. With Max von Sydow as Blofeld. Yeah. Uh, and it's like Connery with like a real piece on his head. Yeah. Like, you know, Connery is is 
10 years removed from like when he was Bond. Yes. And they're like, he's back, baby. And he's like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, he's not into it. And you know, uh, the, t- movie. the title was his response when people would ask him if right. he would play Bond again. Right. That's not like something from the books. They were like, you ever play Bond again? He was like, never say never again. Great. And then oh, they gosh. greenlit that interview response. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. Yes. Is a horror film, a horror film, a sequel. Isn't that a Kirshner movie too? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a horror film sequel. Is it a Freddy Krueger picture? No. It's a slightly lesser franchise. But does it have an iconic big bad? No. No? I mean... It doesn't have like a... This a, is one of those things where the environment is the big bad. Is the environment a house? That's right. Is it an Amityville horror? That's right. Which Th- one though? Three? Three. I know. Three... Oh, oh, I have to guess. Amityville 3. D. Yes. Oh, okay. That's right. They added another <laughs> dimension. <laughs> I've never seen that one, but I remember it is the poster is like a weird monster claw is coming out of the house, which is weird. Haven't they made like 10 of those? They've made a lot. I've seen the first one. Yeah. I don't think I've seen any of them. Right. Isn't the, the Conjuring essentially the same story, but done realistically? Correct. But there was another... Wasn't there another Amityville basically like the same year as Conjuring? Uh, of, it's not, was, it wasn't called Amityville. Um, well, they did remake it like well, with Ryan they? Reynolds right. like 10 years ago or so. And there's a Jennifer Jason Lee one that went straight to Google this year That's or last cool. year. That is rather. It's going to kill me. I'm, uh, yes. Sir, the title. It's I one know of those things about. where you know like, what I'm talking about. I do. There's, there's so many like the story haunted house is a movies. guy yeah. from the office or from Office Space whose name I can't remember. Ron Livingston? Ron Livingston. That actually is very Ron Livingston is in The Conjuring, right? Is he in The Conjuring? Maybe Conjuring is the Lily thinking. Taylor Ron Livingston one. Maybe it's a different Ron Livingston. <laughs> Lily <laughs> Taylor Ron Livingston joint. One of those vehicles. Yeah. No, but it's that's one of those stories where like it's vague enough where it's like some people lived in the house and they said it was spooky that like 20 different movies have gone like, well, it's based on a true story. But The Conjuring is not one of the ones with the Vera Farmiga. It's both. That, no, it is. Oh, it is. Fuck. They're the investigators. Lily <laughs> and Taylor Patrick and Ron Wilson Livingston are. Are the hauntees. Yes. Maybe I separated them the car- as two different horror movies I mean, in my mind. That's the appeal of The Conjuring because films. how can you get you two movies. Yeah. Both the- Ron Livingston and Vera Farmiga. Yeah. The in Conjuring, one film. Also, it's also a franchise that gives you spooks and gives you a good marriage. And also the that's what Annabelle like is a spinoff, right? Right. Yes. But the real Annabelle's a Raggedy Ann doll. Right. We've talked about this Not a doll that looks spooky. Some of the other movies in the top 10 include The Smurfs and the Magic Flute. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, all the Right Moves, in which you see Tom Cruise's penis. You, see, uh, you get a peek of the peen in that movie. It's actually not a bad movie. Um, it's actually not a bad dick either. <laughs> sure. Uh, the Right Stuff, which is, is a great movie. This is another thing he right. yeah, yeah, really He likes to talk about I think there should be more penises in film. I'm looking for equality. But then he won't say that he's going to... I will... Completely support that right? statement. There do need to be more penises. Yeah, get a couple dangs. Dangs. I couldn't decide whether I want to say dangs? wang or dong, and now, now it's dangs. Now that's your word for That's penis. my hello fennel. I have to call penises dangs, dangs. now. Dangs. Griffin, Griffin, what do you like? I like dangs. Uh, educating Rita. That's right. That yep. was happening in 83. We Rita got educated. educated. Exactly. Richard Pryor's concert movie Here and Now. Mm-hmm. Seems like a fun week at the box office. Yeah. Uh, you know what's uh, represented there? What? A variety of different types of film. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's what. No, but that's what's fun because we don't get that. Today. I know. Wait, 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 wait! You got your uh, your your what? Your fucking Transformers fifty two. You know what I'm saying? Ding. At the box office. Well, don't and we say have ding. both Marvel and DC? That is true. We so, do have some variety there. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. How could anyone object? Yeah. 
Yeah, you get both Black Widow and Black Panther. Very different types of uh, characters. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's it. I mean, I'm done. <sighs> yeah. It's a good movie, and it, it's frustrating to watch. Did what we terms? And a conversation on terms of endearment about Marvel and DC. Yeah, we did. Let's yeah. bring it back around. Let's do that. Yeah. Is there any filmmaker now who could make this movie that could make this kind of movie? Uh, Is it Avatar. even possible? Avatar. I guess Avatar. Yeah. But I feel like. Oh, like well, I'm saying he, oh, he was, no, he was hard, trying no. to move in that direction. I'm saying I think he, he failed, but he, he might not make a movie attempt. as good as Terms of Endearment, but he would make this movie. He would make yeah. this kind of a movie, like a fairly plotless yeah, but, movie about people. But I think all, live, live, all of the right? things that we found revolutionary about it, yeah. he would not do because it would be about, as you say, mediocre pot smoking white yeah. guys like falling into opportunity that they fuck the up but then still somehow get it back again. <laughs> right, right. Because it all works out he- in the end Because heroes. Yeah. 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 Heroes. No, but like the big sick is like the closest sure. you get to this kind sure. of thing and even it doesn't have the courage to go as emotional, you know, as this. I mean, the big sick's pretty emotional. I mean, she's sick. Yeah, she and, and it's a big set. I mean, I, I'll 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 be topical and say yeah. like Lady Bird has qualities. Right, it, it, I agree. I, but that's an indie movie. But yes, absolutely. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Right. But, but right. like, yes. But in in the senses that we discussed, like she has sexual experiences mm-hmm. with various people, and it's not. It's not what the movie's about. It's not what the movie's about. Yeah. There's not repercussions it's that are... It's consistently funny without being jokey. And it's right. also it like... Yeah, yeah, and it also sort of explores this kind of like imperfect dynamic between her and her mother and, and it's weird. And how Absolutely. we're still drawn to the people that we are desperate to get away from. Yes. Yeah. It is weird to me that when uh, morons uh, discount her right off Lady Bird, they're like, yeah, but it's like slice. It's just about a girl in high school. Right. And I feel like to some stupid <laughs> degree... <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, to some stupid degree, terms of endearment needed like the big bad of cancer in the last 15 minutes in order to be like, oh, well, that's that's like a legitimate it's a serious movie. movie. Right. To validate blah. its presence. Because right. that's the thing. This movie won the Oscar, but it also won like every critic's award. Yeah. Like it, it was a the universally favorite, approved. A critic's favorite. Yes. Like everyone was down with it. And I think if it had just been a well-observed mother and daughter relationship through the ages movie, yeah. they might have been like, yeah, I mean, it's well-written, but come on, right. it's not like. It's a screenplay winner, not right. a picture winner. right. Um, Which is what Lady Bird is probably going to be pigeonholed as. But these films, yeah, they don't get made at the studio level. And Apatow was Except someone who Apatow. seemed like he was trying to do it, but he hasn't made a fucking talkie in a couple years. Well, he made Trainwreck. That was his last one. Couple years. Yeah. And he was said, that fourteen? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He said he has a hard time uh, getting uh, films made now. I believe it. Like that's why he's been doing more TV, yeah. and then the films he's been producing have been indies because even right. at the studio level, he's like, I don't think I could get bridesmaids. Greenlit today. That's pretty weird considering mm. that he made Trainwreck, which is not a particularly good movie. Made a ton opinion, of money. Which, but it was a huge hit. Yeah. Uh, so that's weird. Like he's been working less on his own films and yeah, pushing. Yeah, he's been doing a lot of like, all right, what about you? What's your story? But the let's people he's mentoring, thing. he's like, let's go to HBO rather than let's go to Universal. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of uh, dispiriting. It's also just stupid. It's just bad business. Like a movie like Lady Bird, that's mm-hmm. like an incredibly profitable oh, movie. Yeah. Oh, um... Fuck, what's the... Uh, he's a British uh, comedy British? actor, director, Richard... Avid, uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you oh, see Ayo the Ayo movie Ayo. about uh, Coming of Age? Submarine. Yeah, I Submarine. love that. That is so good. And that That's kind a of movie. is in this vein a little bit. Yes. You have know? you seen that movie? I haven't, no. Great that movie, movie is it's wonderful. outstanding. I feel like that's one of those ones that always goes by on Netflix, you know? Yeah. Definitely worth watching. It's a uh, good movie. There are people making films but like that this. That was funded with in, like British right, government in money. In other yeah. countries yeah. and other, right. Yeah. And even like, I, I wish fucking Lady Bird was a movie that made $150 million. It made a lot of money. It did. And I'm not discounting its success. Yeah. But it would be nice if a movie 
like that wasn't pigeonholed as like, oh, that's a good for an indie and was allowed to play like at the same level as when dramas used to fucking make the same amount of money as like action movies. I miss it. I'm a baby. Oh, boy. Anyway, sucks. That's why we do well. television. I know. That's why we do television. Speaking of the tick, are. season one B. It's already happened. Get ready. The last time you're going to see me not be swole. Fair enough. Do you need a trainer? Yeah. You want to get thick? Do you want to smoke cigarettes? Yeah. And uh, do push-ups and I'll yell at you? Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. That is how I, you know, that's how you lose weight. Uh, Val, yeah. Val, Val, do you have anything else in the can? Uh, well, I don't know when it's being released yet. I just worked on a film, a very independent film as well, called Inherit the Viper. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, in Alabama. That's very good. Really good cast. Um, about the sort of opioid epic- epidemic. Hey. hey. Sure. Yeah. Stuff. Um, and no, I'm doing a bunch of work with my theater company in the spring, uh, on, um, plugging. I'll plug yeah, a benefit. Plug I'm going to plug a benefit. Plug. Um, I'm producing a benefit on March 30th. In I, Red Hook. I think this is coming out in April. No, I think it's coming out really? before then. Yeah, no? Yeah. No, it is. Shit, yeah. do I have enough time? Yes. Yeah, this, uh, this, yeah, yeah, this uh, comes uh, out uh, March 19th. Hey, Fuck hey, yeah. yeah. Okay, March 30th uh, in Red Hook at Atelier Roquette. Um, we're having a second annual benefit this year. It's, gonna, uh, it's going to go to the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. And it's going to be diverse artists from all over New York. It's a big concert event. It's also going to be storytellers, poets, speakers, whatnot, stuff like that. Everyone um, go. So I will go. Go. And have a beautiful, healing, raging evening and, and just we'll raise money for Time's Up. And if I can get sappy for a second. A, Here we go. I've said this to you a lot and you always brush it off and tell me not to say this. He's going to get weird now. I'm going to get weird. God. I, I would not have gotten cast if it weren't for you. Wow. Is you were true? the first person cast on the tape. I said his lines from behind him. Because <laughs> right, he was feeding right. them to me, giant up <laughs> style through an earpiece. <laughs> yeah. uh, Val was the first person cast on the tick. Because you you are in pilot season a very hot commodity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, and the, you auditioned early, and they want to cast the tick first, and then Arthur, and they, then Dot. I was almost the tick. I was so close. They, right, because they want to just put a pin in you. They want to call dibs. <sighs> Fucking Peter. So when because he's British. When I was in contention, <laughs> and and certain hot ups were worried to hire someone who has a, was as negative famous as I am. Well, it's just the poison of. Anti-renewal. Sure. Yeah. Yes. They knew um, comes with Griffin Newman. Right. The final thing mm-hmm. to sort of sell them on me being able to do the show, because there wasn't a tick yet, was to do the Dot and Arthur scenes with the two of us together. And you are a New York person, as I am. Mm-hmm. You agreed to fly out to L.A. in order to read with me. And in between the takes when we were filming, we started comparing notes on how pale we are. That's why we were casting. And they sent That's that why. to the network and said, look how much they already seem like siblings. Aww. They're so pasty. But also, Aww. also, I think genuinely, uh, I did a better job in that audition I'd ever done before because Val is the absolute easiest person in the world to act with. Well, that's very She nice has that insane Deborah Winger thing. I will say it. Shut up. Where everything she does is (laughs) She's got that Deborah Winger thing where she's constantly trying to kick Kick a cigar. That's forever going to be the Deborah Winger thing. Uh, You just do constantly until filming starts. And then you're like, all right, all right, we're quitting. We're quitting. She also shoves you right before the shot starts. Right before they call action, Mm. she shoves you. I do hit you too hard sometimes. You hit me very hard. We've gotten (laughs) to fights over. No, the fight was weirdly was me saying it's fine. Please let her keep hitting me. 
That makes it sound weird now. <laughs> but do you remember, like, on set, they'd be like, you're punching too hard, and we had to be like, no, this is how, like, siblings, like, fight. Well, there was a lot of discussion about it. There were a lot of discussion about a lot of things. Getting to be angry. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but you you make acting very easy because you, like, literally have never had a false uh, moment. It's, it's insane watching you, like, take after take after take. Even if you try wildly different things, they're always spot on. Well, that's very You're nice. Crazy good. I appreciate that because it's really a struggle to work with you. Yeah, it is very difficult. Also. <laughs> that's, the, that. that's the main compliment I can give is that Val makes it look like I can kind of act. Uh, it's, it's honestly, I think it's the fact that you just inherently as a human, and it's not true. Now I know it's not fucking true, yeah. but you you have this ability to convince everyone around you that you need to be protected. Yeah. And so everyone therefore protects you. And that's, that's that is point. a very canny observation. But he doesn't Griffin fucking Newman. need it. He's fine. She's fine. It's Constantly orchestrated. It yes. <laughs> she, and she says that during interviews. <laughs> Good. People shouldn't like, feel bad. Fine. For I'm going to hit him harder. He can right. take Don't it. be yeah. fooled. Yeah. Uh, but you're, you're the best actor I've ever Thank worked you. with. That's you're wow. incredible. Yeah. Thank truly. you very much. Uh, and uh, the greatest podcast guest in the history of podcasting. That's right. Yeah. Take that. Take wow. that. Gallagher on WTF. Oh, boy. Where are you going? Shots fired. Yep. Um, and 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 look what what an incredible start to a filmography. What an incredible start to a miniseries. Yep. Clearly, I can't wait to hear the as good as it gets episode. It's mostly about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild episode. A <laughs> lot, of, lot, lot of tangents we'll in that one. that one. A oh, yeah. lot of Star Wars talking are as good as it gets. That might up. improve it, though. Kind of. You know what? As good as it gets, <sighs> needed, it needed a little more Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as good as it gets, or as I would call it, just good enough. <laughs> I like it more than you. You do. I like it. I think I'm with you. We haven't yeah. discussed it, yeah. but I think I'm, I think I'm with I you I make on that. my case on that episode, probably. I yeah. can't remember. Mostly oh. we talk about yeah. Star Wars. Make more of a case for General Raddus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, yep. Thank you very much for listening. Please Space remember to rate, review, <laughs> subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Guda for our social media. Mm-hmm. Joe Bone and Pat Rounds for artwork. Liam Montgomery for our theme song. Uh, March Madness, boy, things are burning up. Of course, this week, we all know that. (laughs) And gee, golly whiz, what about? All right. I'm not doing that. And let's talk about the ding of this filmmaker. Dang. Dang, you already messed it up. Now you can say ding or dang. damn it. What if I call them ding-dangs? Sure. Okay. Great. Uh, go to Reddit, uh, the Blanky subreddit, blankies.reddit.com for some real nerdy shit. Ben, do you have something to say? Uh, stay tuned for, uh, some burger reports. Oh, yeah. We're going to start cool. throwing them at the end of episodes. Yeah, we've been doing it. So yep. you'll hear them there. But just know so you don't delete the file before you get to that nice juicy burger report. Mm-hmm. I did, baby. Oh, Val, oh, what, what? Val, you've worked with some big people. Yeah. You're a mover and shaker within the film industry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we like to collect reports of people oh, who have seen a famous. This is true. A famous person. A famous person. Yes, like you. a burger. Have you ever at a party on set right. seen a famo eat a burger? Could be turkey. Could be lamb. Could be cheese. Ooh. Could be Sanchez. God damn it. Sliders included. I was going to say, I know slider. But it was not, it, like, there are more famous people. I'm, I'm racking my brain for memories of Kevin Bacon eating burgers. Well, so my but, question about, oh if, my God. I thought you might bring up Kevin Bacon, and I wanted to know if. David's favorite actor. My favorite actor. If there was bacon on the burger. I've or, never or, seen him eat a burger. He's a very fit man. Sure, he is. He's, He's a trim. very yeah. trim, yes. fit man. But I did see James Purefoy eat sure. sliders. Sure. Does that okay. count? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, most, most. 
Most famous people bring their own food to yeah, things. Question. <laughs> it's is usually he, lentils. Is he a one Honestly. bite or a two bite guy? Oh, Ooh. good point. Does the slider, I mean, two, one he's bite is British, impressive. all right? Yeah. He's not an animal. He eats it with like a knife and fork probably. Yeah. I'm a one bite guy. <laughs> no, it's a two bite, but somehow there's never any condiment on his fingers or his face. That, know? That's the pure foie magic. I yeah. went to a party the other night where I ate a slider that had so much grease on it. I... <laughs> Then I ordered a gin and tonic and I used the ice from the gin and tonic to wash my hands because <laughs> the line from the bathroom was too long. Great. And then someone came up to me and was like, hi, I'm the president of the network. And I had to act like I was an adult. Um, see, you see how he's orchestrating this perf- this performance, this making persona think of they got to worry about me. Uh, Valerie, I'm very aware of Griffin's whole persona. He's never even seen an ice cube, let alone washed with one. <laughs> I he in- grew up in Manhattan. He's a fancy boy. Downtown Griffey Nooms. Yes. Um, anyway, so so your report is, I have seen James Purifoy eat a slider. I do know that one can put bacon on a burger, but I don't know if you can put a burger in a bacon. Yes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> That's that. Well. And as always, mm-hmm. watch out for those ding-dongs, baby. <laughs> Ding dang! Dangs. You did it wrong again. <laughs> Idiot. Thank you for calling the Burger Report hotline. 802-8-BURGER. Please leave a message with your FAMO type of burger and location, and we will try to put it on the podcast if we can. That's 802-8-BURGER. Hi, uh, this is Travis uh, from Knoxville, Tennessee. Right before Death Proof came out, uh, Quentin Tarantino came into a restaurant that I worked at, a cafe, cafe for, in, uh, downtown Knoxville, which, um, apparently Quentin Tarantino went to high school in Knoxville. That's why he puts a bunch of, like, Tennessee or Knoxville, uh, shit in all his movies. He was apparently, like, there filming some footage for where they pick the girls pick up the car and he came into our restaurant we used to do a burger special on mondays for a six dollar burger like a classic burger with uh like a nice cheddar cheese uh like thick ground mustard um and he was there and it was really cool uh that's it when I was in Austin, Texas, I was an editorial intern for one Terrence Malick and his production companies. And one time, usually we would get salads and wraps and healthy things. One time, we got P. Terry's, which is a local Austin burger chain. And yes, I saw Terrence Malick eat a cheeseburger. I kind of confirm if there was any uh, wind blowing or ethereal monologues, but uh, sure ate that burger like a champ, so... That's my thing. Report. This has nothing to do with anything, but I just felt the need uh, to tell you and for the world to know that uh, Terrence Malick loves Diane Word. The band, you know, the band that was in Chappie, loves them seriously. Like one of his favorite bands, and it's so cool. And I want everyone to know that. So, and yes, he does in fact really, really love Zoolander. So both those things are true. All right, that's all. Just wanted to share. Goodbye.